0: I'll be too nervous to. I'm probably lost for words. And welcome to the latest edition of the Lost Words podcast. I am joined today by Ben Coley from Sporting Life as Jason has taken a week off after his uh, lovely picks last week. Um, but just before we get into the podcast, I just want to uh, ask if you are enjoying the podcast to go and subscribe and rate uh, the podcast on Apple um, and whenever you actually get a podcast because it will help us out a lot um we've got a potential giveaway coming up in the next uh, week or so uh which golfers will enjoy and uh it'd be great to have as many years as possible on those sort of episodes so ben welcome this week and uh got two good events to talk about
1: Hi, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, a really good week. Um, uh, An interesting one, certainly. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it. I I think Jason's holidaying somewhere near me, actually, but we've not managed to meet for a socially distanced whatever. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure you look forward to getting back next week. He's
0: he's not battering down your back door, then. That's always good. He's
1: not. He's not yet. No.
0: Maybe (laughs) if the weather turns. He's he's camping in Yorkshire. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Um, no he is uh, he's very happy with his picks last week he had Dustin Johnson to win which obviously we know he was uh, he cleaned up there with a, with a record score um, well almost a record score but it was a very good score indeed um, and then we I had Harris English in second and Scheffler was also in the top four as well so it was a good week there um, and also Jason did put uh, Sebastian Soderberg up in Wales which we know ended quite roughly in the end with an 8 on the final hole um, but You know, these things happen. This is the the wonderful life of golf betting, as you know too well, Ben. Um, And we just move on and, and enjoy this week.
1: Yeah, that's the theory, at least. Um, but at least you know Soderberg made the number, he, 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 the the most he could have made without falling out of the places. So I know that's not much consolation um, when you're on them. It's easy for me to say when I wasn't, but um, no, it's a, a, a great selection. Jason's sounding particularly confident with him, uh, considering the price. So um, yeah, un- unfortunate not to get paid out a little bigger. And and the same with DJ. Really, I feel like if you if they win by. Eleven. You should get paid at double the odds or something. That, <laughs> yeah, that should be a thing, be nice, shouldn't it? it. Um, but uh, but never mind. Some some inspired picks. So yeah, hopefully I won't drag you down this week.
0: Hey, um, what do you think? The the, the sixty on uh, on Friday. It's not very often that a sixty is possibly the worst score you could have come in with, is it? And uh, there was talk about fifty fours and and fifty six and fifty sevens. Um, fifty four was obviously a bit ridiculous, but you know fifty seven looked on for a long time. Eleven under through eleven, and then managed to to go on a par run at the end. It wasn't sort of like... It was difficult for him to keep up the putting that he was doing on the front nine, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, um, that was always going to be hard to sustain. um, But no doubt frustrating um, for for those watching on, and for Dustin, really. I mean, I guess... (laughs) we've become a little bit desensitized to 59 now like now it's happened on the european tour as well and you know we we hear about every round of golf now so you do hear about the guy on the whatever tour shooting 57 or 58 or whatever (laughs) it may be so I, i don't think they quite have the same cachet as they used to have but for a player for dj it's the one thing that didn't go right last week and it mainly comes down to him being a bit of a prat doesn't it because he he clearly played the wrong club off the 18th tee and i think we all knew it um so it was a shame, but um, look, it, it, to go 11 under through 11 in itself is some achievement, so uh, we celebrate that, and, and I guess it, it feels a bit harsh to criticise someone who, who played so well, but yeah, it would have been a nice uh, extra boost had he had he also shot 59, so instead it's Sheffler who joins the, the club
0: of shot 59, didn't win, he didn't even get close, obviously, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think... I think uh, DJ's attitude is obviously a blessing and a curse isn't it you know everyone else would kind of been outwardly animated and you know emotional maybe towards the end there knowing that they had the chance to shoot 59 and, and he kind of looked the same as he does when he shoots a 75 and uh sometimes that helps him get these wins and sometimes you think that's probably the extra bit that he needs to, to maybe get over the line in a major championship but it's it's very hard as you say to be critical of someone that's just you know lapped the field and you know shot 30 under par through four days um he's an incredible talent when he's on isn't
1: he yeah he is and look i'm i'm glad that there isn't a perfect golfer because it would be thoroughly dull you know if dj had tiger woods mindset he'd probably win 10 times a year and um yeah, you know, maybe that's a bit over the top. But you get the point. You know, yeah, they, they've all got their flaws as, as we all do, and you know, we've got DJ on the one hand's too relaxed, and Rory's trying to get him to G himself up for these events at the moment. Jordan Spieth's got his technical issues. You know, um, they, they've all got something. Brooks Koepka's got an injury, just as he was set to dominate the world. So, um, yeah, it, it adds to the to the narrative and to the sort of tapestry of the sport at, at the highest level and, and makes it interesting and yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of DJ I, I thought his interview was great as well I think he's actually he's starting to have a bit of fun in his interviews in a way that he he didn't before and sort of play up to this um idiot stereotype <laughs> that he has um and uh, you know he was asked you know how does it feel to miss out on the 60 or whatever and he said I'll just try and shoot 59 tomorrow and that was I mean joking aside that's kind of there's the cliche about not being able to back up a a low round. And actually it's, it's just hard to shoot a low score in the first place, but there is definitely an element of it. And um, for DJ, it's a great asset for him to be able to go, well, never mind. you know, there's always tomorrow. And he he even managed to have that attitude when he walks off the back of the green at chambers Bay after maybe punching one or two lockers. So um, it is a a great strength of his. And I think if he were stronger mentally, there'd be some, it, it wouldn't quite work for him. It's not his character. Do you know what I mean? Like, the way the way he's built is the way he needs to be built. He's a he's a very high performing golfer, and um, probably the best of the last ten or eleven years if you take a full body of work. And uh, yeah, two wins in the last six starts and a couple of rounds of
0: 80 just to you know throw a further layer of confusion on things. Yeah, just to keep everyone on their toes. And that's the thing, isn't it? Is that it, he is now he's the most winningest player over the last ten or eleven years, isn't he? And uh, you know, overtaking cycles yesterday. And he, you know. Everyone sort of gets kind of caught up on these major championships and the fact that he doesn't get over the line in them, but he's placed so often in them and he's had so many opportunities. I think that's more what I tend to focus on now. Maybe it would have been critical of him back in the day, um, but you know I thought he had a great chance at the PGA and he did. But I don't think he did an awful lot wrong that week. I think you know he just got beat by a guy that you know eagled the 16th hole when he needed to. Um, you know an extraordinary talent that overtook him there Um, and he picks himself up and and goes and plays like he did this week and that just highlights the kind of player he is doesn't it
1: it does yeah and the majors I mean we could we could pick every single one apart but you know there's been some bad shots you know obviously the US Open was a a disaster and uh, the shot he hit out of bounds at Royal St George's likewise but you know
0: he's won one he could
1: have (laughs) You can't be perfect. And you, there, there have been instances where he's been very unlucky. I I think it was a 6 he hit to the 15th hole or the 16th hole at Beth Page last year when Brooks Kepka was, you know, we don't talk about this enough, perhaps, but Brooks Kepka in the final round of the PGA last year went went badly wrong and and he fell over the line and the reason he fell over the line is because it, it essentially just as dj got to him he he, he hit the wrong club and yeah. whether it was that you know you hit a brilliant shot i remember that that approach shot into whatever hole it was and it came off the club and you could tell he loved it and it was just the he either hit it too well or whatever and it went long through the green and that's it and you know like i said you can pick apart every individual moment and and i think probably you and i am a uh, towards the end where we, we sound like we're making excuses for players. But I think really it's just the reality of the, the margins at the very highest level. Um, and there are some damn good players who are not yet major champions and will never be. I've I, I probably said it before, if not on this podcast, then another – there will be someone who none of us at this moment in time can imagine possibly ending their career without a major who does end their career without a major. Might be Victor Hovland, might be Matt Wolf, might be Scotty Scheffler, might be Patrick Cantlay, could be Xander Shoffley, uh, could even be John Rahm. It, it will happen to one of them because when Sergio Garcia was 18 years old, every single person would have bet every single pound they had to win a penny that Sergio Garcia would win a major obviously he did in the end um, but Lee Westwood Steve Stricker Colin Montgomery there is a long list of players who don't um, so I, I respect everyone that has and DJ probably none more so than probably two others of his generation
0: yeah you know I can't summarize it any better than that I think that is you know completely as it is and I think that like I said one, one thing I do um, kind of wanted to discuss at some point it's probably a good time to do it now when you talk about you know the wrong club there in, in major championships where do you sit in the sense of him having his brother on his bag and uh whether that sort of plays into it at all? Because in my head, I was originally I was kind of in the uh, the club when Rory McElroy was was looking for a new caddy, it was kinda of like, let's go and get an experienced pro, get you over the line, get your master's win. Um but now when especially with him and Harry Diamond and uh with, with Dustin with A J and things like that, I think now that they excel because they have that comfortability factor with with the caddies as opposed to actually and it gives them a bit of an ownership on their own game and maybe brings out their best whereas i think you know it can get confusing when you have a you know an experienced caddy maybe talking you out of a shot every now and then
1: yeah i mean who'd who'd be a caddy because when when things are going wrong it's your fault and when things are going right you're just the guy who carries the bag right that's (laughs) that's kind of the the deal um I think it's very hard to analyze from the outside in. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Um, and I certainly have had opinions on caddies in, in the past and, and probably will continue to do so. But people, again, they, they pick the ones that work for them. You know, Harry's the wrong man for Rory. They're just mates. He, he doesn't know he's talking about. Well, Harry's a brilliant golfer. They've known each other a long time. He makes Rory feel comfortable. And, and no one ever, ever... So, you know patrick reed's got his brother-in-law on the back yeah no one seems to think that's a problem chris paisley is someone i know you've spoken to a couple of times he, he won when his his wife or girlfriend was on the back you know we we see that happen a lot lee westwood in the ned bank um another example of that so it, it can work in any number of ways each to the individual and i think as far as dj is concerned i mean i know austin's considered to be even less intelligent but i think in some ways it just helps dj to to retain that manner he has on the course and um i certainly feel that um i I don't have a brother actually i have a sister and i think she'd tell me to bugger off but if i was a professional golfer i'd quite like someone i'm very very close with to be carrying my bag i mean who, who else would you want to share that with and, and to keep you relaxed and to say the right thing at the right time you know um but there are other examples you know colin mara has got a nice experienced caddy on his on his bag um to, to help him along and john rams had a very experienced caddy alongside him and uh, and so on and so forth um But, yeah, I mean, in terms of the yardages thing, and sorry to divert to another point, I I always go back to Danny Willett winning the Masters um, and in his famous we style of talking. um, He said that that final round of the Masters uh, not wishing to take credit from himself, he said every shot, it just landed on the right number. And it's something I always think about in golf. You know, it's just another element of luck that you could hit the ball brilliantly and you just you a perfect drive. They're not they're not playing to a yardage off the tee. They're trying to find the fairway as far down as they can, right? Yeah. You get down to the ball and you're banging between seven and six iron. It's four holes to go in a major championship. Your adrenaline's pumping. You got wind off the right. You can't miss. Lot. You know all those things, and you've got the wrong number. And having the right number to these guys who you can you know hit it. If they've got the right number, they hit it that number. Um, it, it can make a massive difference. And and just as the cards fell for Will it in the masters you know on another occasion they, they haven't quite fallen like that for dj uh, hence they're both one-time major winners but I, I certainly know whose career i'd rather have and that's a great respect to danny
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely let's get let's talk about the 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 european tour event this week it's the uk championship at the belfry um it's the the first time the belfry has come onto the european tour since 2008 when there's the british masters uh fernandez Castaño beat Westwood in a playoff that week um not too much of a pointer from that week in general. Uh, I think you can just kind of get an idea of the profile of players, but um, I think you know the way that me and Jason have certainly viewed these events, it's kind of a case of you know the, the same man not, not every week really, because um, you know they're, they're not travelling far, the course is not entirely different. I know the Belfry obviously is a different test to last week, and, and weather comes in and things like that. But you know it's been a, the form has been a massive pointer to each player each week. Um, and and I don't think you need to look too far down um, for surprises this week, especially with a, a stronger field than we've had in recent weeks.
1: No, I agree. I mean, there have been some slightly surprising names in contention and what have you. You know, Liam Johnson last week would have been one. Um, and, and I'm sure there have been various others um, throughout the weeks. But if there's one thing that ties them all together, it's a touch of class. You know, all the players that have won... Um, so far during this spell, the, the, you know, relative to the grade, um, even Sam Horsfield, okay, we, we hadn't seen it all put together from him, but I think we all knew um, that he had the potential at least to, to one day leave this grade behind. Um, Andy Sullivan, you know, a, a Rider Cup player, even if you go back to Austria, I mean, Joel, Joel Stoltz would be the exception, I guess, but, you know, Mark Warren, I think a lot of his victory came down to to just having a little bit extra class, like somewhere deep within Um Because there's been a lot on the line. Now, obviously, that changes a little bit this week because the U.S. Open order of merit is done, um, but I don't think it will change a great deal. As you said, these courses are are broadly similar. They're all basically built um, for the tourism trade. Uh, I have to say, I I don't think the Belfry is is up to much. It's kind of a big field. Um, And that's no disrespect to the the fine people who will work to make sure it's in great condition, as I'm sure it will be. Um, But it's not much of a course. And and although it's been a a good test when they've been here in the past, I I think generally that they've been set up very easily so far. And unless the wind howls across the course, which it can do there, um, I expect we'll be in for another fairly low scoring tournament after a a tough tough week at Celtic Manor, uh, where the wind made all the difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely and that's the thing, isn't it, is that that's what people have gotta try and remember. It's it's not how it would have been set up, you know, ten, twelve years ago when it was purposely, you know, sort of created for this event and, you know, it, this is a kind of they've they've hashed it together, put the best thing they can do. Uh the belfry was open and, and put an event on and, and that's where we are. And I think that you know, it's only gonna play into the hands of the people that are in form. Obviously that's that sounds obvious. Um, but also the class players. I mean, we've got Thomas Peters is favourite this week again at twelve to one. Um Rasmus Hogard is back, he's fourteen to one, and Matthias Schwab has returned after a stint on the PJ tour at eighteen to one tied with Matt Wallace as well, who's come back from the States. Now, um you'd you'd certainly expect one of those four to be in contention come Sunday, wouldn't you?
1: One of the three Peters is out
0: uh, just uh, before we
1: started recording, so um yeah, I mean the top of the market you'll you'll see probably you know five out of the first ten in the betting, I imagine we'll, we'll play well and be up there some to some degree and you know i I guess long gas was a bit of a shock last week at you know, relative terms, he was sort of 50 to 66 to one. But again, if you were just going on basic ability, he'd have been right up there. um, And the players he'd beat, um, certainly those in contention, Simon Soderbergh had had played well the week before. So I think, you know, this is... as straightforward a formula hopefully as as golf betting gets you know i'd I'd, I'd be very strongly leaning towards recent form and i think that's where it complicates things because we have these players coming in from the pga tour and then it's about trying to contextualize their form um you know matt wallace for instance if you go back four or five weeks is, is playing really well in in top top class events um, but in the last couple of weeks he, he's not been so good uh, you've got Martin Keimer who's missed a couple of cuts and yet on day one of the USPGA he was he was in the lead as we saw so uh, Victor Perez another one who's been searching for his game in the States and, and might just have found it last time um, so they're, they're the complicating factors because I think from week to week on this U- UK swing we've gone right we've got these guys they've played well last week they've done this they've done that the, that form should be fairly valuable and all of a sudden we've got uh, uh, not just one or two like we've dealt with howton lee for instance um last week but we've we've got a whole collection of them uh, and it's going to be really hard to sort of sift through those and, and balance that form against someone like andy sullivan who's been doing it in this lower grade
0: yeah absolutely that was one of the key things i wanted to talk about is it is hard to tell you know we, we look at you know matt wallace who maybe just be missing the cutting events or you know finishing 30th or 40th in the pga field when when it comes back to the level of playing field here, that it's not the same sort of event. And you look at 18-1, to after having him three figures in a PGA event, you think, oh, you know, can I make that drop? But, it, you know, this is going to be a completely different test. You know, he's based up there at the Belfry. He's an ambassador. Um, you know, you'd certainly expect him to go well. He's obviously won three times in one season. Um, you know, Houton Lee played well last week. Um, and then, obviously, got have got Bernd is in, in the field as well. Um, and it's just... A case of you know Andy Sullivan, you'd expect him to have uh, an off week after after winning uh, two starts ago, um, and he, he still finished tie forty seventh. So you'd certainly expect him to be a factor. What what do you make of, of Gavin Green this week? Because you know he was, he was very popular last week after you know finishing very well the week before. Do you, do you have any opinion on him this week? Yeah, I mean he he probably should have placed last week.
1: He the first two days he got to a couple under par and, and wasted it over the, the closing holes. Um he played really nicely on Saturday, but even then uh his final move was a backward one. He he bogeyed the seventeenth and, and couldn't get the shot back at the eighteenth. And it was kind of the same on Sunday, you know, the very first hole and I think he was two under through five or six and you know, I really thought once for about half an hour he was two off the lead and I thought there's probably a very good chance he'll he'll actually go ahead and win this. Um instead, it was another top young maiden on the circuit in, in Longask who, who had the, the required good day around the greens. But I, I do like green. I mean, he's the he's the same price at best. I think he's probably a little bit shorter and we've added all these extra players. I know we've lost Peters, but I think this is a a considerably stronger field. Um, But what I would say in terms of, if you're looking for a statistical pointer, you know, he led the field in approach play last week. Um, If you told me he would do that, I I would have been even more confident that he'd go really close. And like I said, he probably should have been in the first four or five rather than the first eight or nine as he was. Um, And, I'm very, very positive about him in general. Just be a question of whether you want to take a shorter price after a so-so performance, right? It was no better than the performance of a week earlier. Although, if anything, I suppose it, it did show that he can tough out a little bit in the wind as it, and, and, and sort of further evidence that his game is becoming more rounded. Certainly one of the best young maidens on the circuit anyway, whether or not it's his week
0: yeah I think that I think that's the thing isn't it is that one you've got a you've got to balance up whether you can go in again after maybe not you know delivered on what you'd expect him to do and then you've got the the addition of the the better golfers in the field but um he's certainly one of the ones to keep an eye on, and you know I personally wouldn't be interested in him on that price I don't think i uh, I think there's too many sort of variables about most of the players at the head of the, the head of the market really like you say Andy Sullivan you know you, you kind of know what you're gonna get because um, he's been here how Tong Lee's come back and played well um but the others we're not, we're not so sure you know what they're going to bring i mean matthias schwab has has been brilliant um for for a little while now um, certainly an improving player and if you're expecting someone to to fire at flags and go low he should be one that can do it if he can get his putter heating up but we just don't know how he's going to return um, and i think I was kind of interested to go a bit further down. I thought one of the first names I kind of looked for just because I know he would have played here when it was last, you know, on the tour and he'd probably play an awful lot differently. But Ross Fisher is a name that you kind of keep an eye out on because, um, you know, he can win at this grade. He He's a proven winner at this level. And, and every now and then we see him pop him in WGC fields and things like that. And he was tied seventh uh, at the British Masters when it was last here. Um, and I just thought, I, I don't know if it's particularly someone that I... I get on board with very often but I thought 60 to 1 and, and, and sort of similar prices to that I thought it was, a, it was a reasonable price in a in a field we don't know what to expect of yeah he's he's got a touch of class hasn't he um
1: he's probably not kicked on as as many hoped he would probably 10 or 11 I think 2009 was that year he was the whatever they call it the majors cup I think he had the low score across the four majors that year and and you know, had a great chance to win at Turnbury and he's kind of stalled a little bit ever since the, the Ryder cup of the following year, he played really well in, in the final three rounds of the Celtic classic two weeks ago. Um, a bit disappointing last week, I would say. And I think if you, if you're going on the stats and I know that, that, that there are reasons to take them with a pinch of salt on the European tour, um, although they are becoming more robust by the week, I would say, but he, he's just not driving the ball as well as I would like to see, because I think if, if you ask Ross Fisher what he's built his career on, it would be the driver. And, and to see him constantly ranking sort of outside the top 40 uh, in strokes games off the tee is, is a bit of a worry because you, you wouldn't necessarily expect him to make up the difference with his putter, although he's had the odd good putting week. So it'll be about sharpening up off the tee. And if he can do that, then then of course he does have the required class to get his name among the uh, the leaders here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that was the thing there. I just thought it was, in terms of do I expect him to, to win? I think this he's someone that I find hard to expect to win very often, anyway. But um, especially this week when there's some question marks. But I just thought that uh, the sort of prices and you're looking at the players around him at those sort of prices. I think there's less question marks about him. I would say uh, Robert Rock was a name that I thought was worth mentioning. We, we spoke before we came on about the fact that he was up the Belfry as well, um, and he's been in good form, hasn't he, since the restart? Um, you know, his full fifteenth and thirty seventh. And, the, you know, the 15th and 37th, both could have been better. Um, it's it's a tough one, Robert, right? because obviously he's, he's had a brilliant start to his coaching career. I spoke with Volley Wilson on a podcast and he said that he basically sorted out his swing over one email um, and helped him, you know, shoot a 62, I think it was in Kazakhstan. And, you know, he's, he's built up his reputation for doing that. And, and you wonder, don't you, how much focus that takes off his own game. But he's certainly got one of the best swings on tour and it's a surprise he probably hasn't won more.
1: Yeah, it is. He's one of those who took a little while to get off the mark. I mean on on, on the flip side I guess he, he graduated through the sort of regional circuits and 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 earned his way onto the tour when it probably looked like he would just go straight into coaching. So he has he has done really well and obviously beating Tiger in Abu Dhabi that time was something um that anyone, you know, at his level, that's a great thing to take with you into retirement when it comes. I I guess it can work both ways. Like on, on the one hand I, I share those concerns that um, certainly around big events he would be very very busy there be there are a lot of players now on the tour who even if they're not officially coached by him would ask him to have a quick look um, and, and now with say Matt Wallace back in um, back in England you know Robert's probably going to have more time spent uh, working with him particularly as Matt's long game's probably not been as sharp as he'd like it so um, if anything that might be a positive towards Matt Wallace's chance now that he can he can have Robert look at his swing again um, but on the other the other hand obviously he's um, Rock is playing like he, he's nice and relaxed. And, you know, um, I've talked, I guess, about what's at stake for a lot of these players. Well, for him, probably not a lot. You know, he's, he's won in Abu Dhabi a bigger event than these. Uh, he, take, he took down Tiger Woods to do it. He's not going to play in the Ryder Cup now. He knows he's not going to be a major champion. So he can just sort of enjoy what he's got and I think he gets a real thrill out of the coaching side and and maybe that's why we've seen a little bit of an improvement over the last six months that um he's fairly content with how things are so uh, yeah it it can go both ways he's played really nicely since the restart very few um poor rounds if any um and I expect he'll play really well again for me again it's uh, I think I put him up in the the event at where was it? Ambry Manor, Forest of Arden, one of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, one at the moment, are they? They really do, yeah. And he's now he's going to go off the same sort of price. And as I say, we've thrown in all these guys and maybe taken a bit of his attention away from his own game with with Wallace and others coming back. So uh, he wouldn't be for me, but he's you know if you're playing top twenty or whatever, then then he'd be rock solid because I do expect he'll play well.
0: Yeah, no pun intended there. But he, he's, uh, you know, he like you say it took him a while to get off the mark he lost didn't he to uh shane Lowry famously when he was an amateur in a playoff and uh you know he you know two wins you'd think he probably deserved more than that in his career but you know when you can see a life after playing like he clearly does i mean he's not even retired and he's already doing what he knows he's going to do when he when he does hang up the clubs um it does take an awful lot of pressure off and and he can almost free wheel his way through these events, can he? Knowing that you know he's he's got a career there. He's not going to be just sat in a TV booth, although that's been great for other people as well. He he is going to be on the on the range doing what he loves to do. Um, it may just free him up a little bit. I just it's one of those things where I find this a, a kind of hard event to get uh, excited about, just because it feels a little bit monotonous. The run that we've been on of, of these you know hotel type courses, resort courses, where. Um, you know, anyone that can just fire at pins, as long as there's no adverse weather conditions, it's it's hard to get a real gauge in it, especially with with it being the FedEx Cup playoffs as well on, on the PGA Tour. There's kind of a bit more to focus on there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I agree with that. I did, the, that being said,
1: I've put two European Tour winners since the restart, and the the one I think, generally speaking, the European Tour is easier, um, easier to solve, and and easier to build those cases. And I think even I would say, generally speaking. Um, as we discussed, you, you're looking at the very top of the the market here for, for the winner, but also when you sift through the outsiders, I think they're fairly easy. It's fairly easy to separate. You name five players at 100 to 1, say, you know, to work out which ones of those might actually be capable of going and sticking around here is, dare I say it, a lot more straightforward than, than in the US. So um, that's a, another sort of case for these events, because I think a lot of people will have back to winner over the last four weeks, um, maybe a couple, um, and, and they've not been especially complicated. Um, I will say, if it is going to be complicated, a player I think Jason's been fairly keen on. I, th- I thought Craig Howey might be interesting. Um, he's about 250 to 1, and you know if you go back to when he was an amateur, he was playing with Connor Simon, Robert McIntyre for Scotland, and he, he really wasn't far behind them. And He had a difficult year last year with, a, with an injury and, and struggling to adjust to the challenge tour. Um, but he looks like he's got a bit of quality about him, and he, he's another. You know, you probably don't think he's going to win, but having seen Liam Johnston contend last week and, and Connor up there the last two weeks, I imagine he'll be feeling pretty good about himself. And he certainly hit the ball well at Celtic Manor as well. So he he's won at a silly price, who I think could surprise a few.
0: And this is the thing as well: is that there is sometimes when when they are a, a silly price, you know, 250, and one things like that. You know, okay. Is The famous question is, can, he, can you see him winning? Well, possibly not, but you don't need him to at that kind of price, do you? If you, if you expect him to be able to make a run at a place, um, you're pretty content with that. Of course, the idea is to pick a winner, um, but that's going to be in the supporting cast, isn't it? And and like you say, I think there is a couple of outsiders. I think Callum Shinkwin was interesting the last two weeks at Celtic Manor. Um, I think that the only concern is, did he just like Celtic Manor? Because that's the only place he's shown form since the restart. Um, James Morrison has been playing pretty well. Um, and obviously, we know he can get the job done. Um, that this is a thing that you're kind of picking bits and pieces. And Jason had a uh, an insight into it. He said that looking at the the Challenge Tour event uh, in Scotland, had the same designer as well. And he's picked out a couple of long shot names. He's gone for uh, David Law. He thinks that he might like this. He's won at the, he's won the Challenge Tour event that I mentioned there. He loves a tight track. Um, and he can be available at 500 to 1 if you want to take a chance on him. Uh, he likes Aaron Rye, um, who's been playing pretty well. Um, and I just think it's one of those weeks, Toby Tree as well he likes, and Jack Senior. These are guys that he's picked out as, as longer shot players that um, he, he thinks have a chance. And and it's like you say, there's plenty of players in that range where you think could have a go, and, and those are the ones that he fancies. Yeah, I, I can see the
1: case. I think it's a very interesting case he makes for, for David Law. And if you look at the the ball striking stats from last week, they were very solid. He, he you know, you get a very big prize for someone who won last season on the European Tour. Um, he's shown flashes of of really good golf. Um, so yeah, um, Toby Tree is one of those who's long been considered a, a player capable of really stepping up and contending on the European Tour. He's just got one bad round in him. If you look at you go through, I think the British Masters, he was in the 60s, three of the four rounds and then shot 74 in round three. did the very same thing at the English Championship and the very same thing in the Celtic Classic, three, I think, 65, 75 to open. So if he can get rid of that bad round, I mean, that's, that's always a sign. You know, we look at the sort of hidden form, if you like. The, the guy who finishes 44th doing that is probably a bit closer than the guy who finishes forty fourth, you know, never breaking seventy. So something to consider there. I think Ben Stowe's another one of those players. He's a sort of slow burning youngster. I think he's probably a fair bit better than he's shown. And, you know, were he on the challenge tour this year, I'd quite fancy him to to win once or twice and had things been normal and what have you. Um, but he's another one who's done that sort of two or three good rounds and, and spoilt by a bad one. And I guess that probably is why we are brought back to the front of the market because Um, It's as much about how the players deal with when things don't go right and having that bit of experience and and the confidence that you've done been there and done it before. I think it goes a heck of a long way um, here. And even if we look at the players who have won for the first time uh, in this sequence um longask and sam horsefield you know these are guys who've contended for rolex series events and things like that they're not scared of, of these tournaments and, and what they might represent and playing golf in america i mean longask has played in the masters for god's sake so yeah um that would be my focus again definitely looking towards the front of the market players who know how to get the job done if not um then then have at least tasted it and look like they're ready to win um and it's just about finding the right one which
0: is the tricky part it is indeed, yeah. And that's the thing. One you mentioned about Toby Tree there having a, the odd round. We actually asked him about it on the podcast, and, it, and he kind of said, well, yeah, I suppose I, I do do that. And it was kind of like, well, you know, how has this not alerted you, and, and what is it that, he, that happens? And he kind of – he didn't attribute it to any one thing. So it's not a case of him getting you know, frightened after being out there in contention. He just kind of obviously does – he is susceptible to – a high round and unfortunately and especially in these sort of events where there's low scoring you can't afford to have one of those can you um, and, and Jason's kindly putting out that you know him and David Law are probably good ideas for first round leader because for exact those reasons they wouldn't have to go through four rounds to actually pay out and and that might be the way to take those two on. Yeah first round leader and top 20s and things like that I guess it's um, you know, certainly when you're writing previews
1: every week, you don't want to be putting up um, too many bets, dare I say. Um, and I think a lot of people, when they're looking at events like the UK Championship, it's kind of, I, they want the winner, right? Or they, or they want to have a uh, have a stab at the winner. I don't think your man in the street necessarily wants to know that four to five about you know ass to beat Aaron Rye is, is a great bet or whatever, because there's just not that interest um, outside of the majors. So, um Yeah. I will be trying to crack the winner, but uh, yeah, I don't mind a first round leader spin myself. And I think uh, looking at David Law's teaser t- green stats from last week and the, and the link that Jason mentions, which is always worth uh, worth listening to, uh, I could certainly see worse than that. I mean, he shot 64, didn't he, and ran one of the British Masters straight out of the block. So, um, yeah, I, I could see that because he's that sort of player. He, he hits a lot of fairways, and if he just gets a putter hot, you know, um, he can certainly produce that sort of you might be looking at 66 for the first round lead here so you know I, I i wouldn't put anyone off at a very very big price
0: yeah absolutely let's move on to the the fedex cup playoff event uh the b&w championship it's at olympia fields this week we haven't seen this um on the pgo tour very often it was the us open cool uh host venue in 2003 uh, and it also hosted us amateur in 2015 where bryson uh dechambeau won um it's it's expected to be a tough course this week with a lot of rough and there's been a a premium on driving and particularly long and accurate driving which we seem to mention every week and it seems an obvious thing to mention but there are a lot of courses that you can get away from hitting it in a rough can't you and this may play similar to to harding park from three, three or four weeks ago
1: Yeah, I I think of the recent form, guys, it it certainly should be a stark contrast to Boston. And it's not to say Boston was easy because I know DJ made it look easy and and Scheffler too on the Friday. You know, you... It wasn't complete lights out at the very top of the leaderboard. The guy won by 11 shots, right? So it's just a, a different game he was playing. But this will be different. I mean, they're talking about five and a half inch rough, which is ridiculous. Um, and, and it's not the first cut, as I understand it, at Olympia Fields is not uh, particularly wide. So um, you, you could be five yards off the fairway. And if it's five and a half inch rough, is serious. I mean, I can't stress that enough. That's that's Can I advance this? Um, so we'll see because... You know, that that's a fully an inch and maybe an inch and a half longer than it was at Harding Park. And I, I know there was a lot of talk at Harding Park about the sort of lottery aspect of, of lies in the rough. There, there was a big um, variance between what you would get even a one yard away from your playing partner. But if it's five and a half inch here, it would just be bad lie after bad lie. So it, it's going to be interesting because the other thing is. Um, you know it's not the longest course in the world like by any means but if you look at the past 70s they've played this year on the PGA Tour it is the longest Um, and it's not far off Beth Page for last year's US PGA which was obviously soft as well which which made it even further but uh, it's not that far off Firestone which was a monstrously long course um, before that was taken off the schedule Um, and in fact I think they played the Champions Tour there last week and and players struggled it's it's a seriously long test this Um, and although it's not got those sort of cold conditions of San Francisco I think it will play to a very very similar level Um, if I had to guess a winning score and, and doing so is probably a fool's errand i'd have needed about 100 (laughs) guesses to get last week's um but but i'll be looking at minus 8 minus 10 minus 12 maybe that sort of bracket and that's a significant gear shift from last week and and from the wyndham championship so um yeah it'll be interesting to see how recent form plays out because it's been such a good pointer in this event in the past but i don't remember too many instances where the contrast from boston to this or from wherever to this has been so potentially stark anyway
0: yeah absolutely and i think the only Sort of thoughts I have in terms when they when you hear about it's the massive rough, quite often we hear how thick it is, and then the players get there and they can advance it just fine anyway. Um, and sometimes they just they tend to just be able to overpower it, and I, and I do wonder if that's going to be the case again. Um you know, because, you know, you see all these videos and they drop the ball in the rough and roughness, I don't know how to get it out of here. And then you get to the end of the week and they've shot 12-14 under par and, and it's been absolutely fine. Um, but, you know, we had Brooks kept didn't we, the one at Page Black in 2019 and, and he finished on eight under par. And it wouldn't be an unreasonable guess, but he was obviously 12 under par through two rounds. So it's, you know... <sighs> obviously you're going to be only playing off the fairway don't you that's that's everyone's aim um if dj stripes it like he did last week then he's certainly gonna have an advantage over everybody else just because of how far he hits it anyway um but there is a lot of players now that can that can do that skill set they can hit it miles um and not all of them are wild are they you know that they're, they're very good at driving it and driving it straight and that's why the game has changed but we've got Dustin here at an 8-1 to favourite I think you had to make him favourite after last week and how much this should suit him in sense of um, you know his strength off the tee but I, I wouldn't want to back him at 8-1 especially after you know does he need to win this week or is he just going to be focused attention to Eastlake next week
1: yeah it's an interesting dynamic isn't it they're jostling for position for, for Eastlake now that the uh absurd scoring system they've got in place there is is back with us so um i don't know i mean it it doesn't take a lot out of him does it when he wins um he he won three events in a row in 2017 he won twice in a row in 2016 so of all the players in the world if you're sort of hoping for someone to go in again then then he'd be a very fair one but on the other hand um, we saw what happened after he won uh, the Travellers, you know, he was abysmal um, and he wasn't quite as short as he is now either. He didn't leap to the front of the market. Now, he hadn't won the Travellers by 11 shots. So I, I accept the reasoning behind it. I, I thought he might be 10, 12 to 1, um, still favourite thereabouts. But I, I, I didn't quite think we would see 8 to 1 from 22, I, I, I must admit. On the other hand, make no bones about it; he will win this tournament if he hits the balls he did last week. Now, uh, he may never hit the ball as well as he did last <laughs> week, so so that's you know that's probably not telling you much uh, there. But yeah, worthy favorite. If you look at players who play these tough, long par seventies, well, he will be right at the very top of the list, along with Brooks Kepka, who is obviously not here. So um, yeah, he, he's very much the man to be. And if you look at that top four in the market, if I can separate them off, that's Ram Deshanno, Thomas, and McIl. Roy which one i um, sorry five uh, with DJ um which one of these has shown the greater form on this sort of course and it is definitely DJ now he's had a, a lot longer to do that than Rahman DeChambeau in particular but if you were to really nitpick with Thomas and McElroy um particularly McElroy it, it might be that when he gets on a bit of a slog golf course particularly when it's a par 17 he's not got that relief of a par five every four or five holes um it's not always brought out its best and i think if if you look at dj it's actually the opposite i think he is better on a past 70 like this so um yeah the man to be i just pray like everybody else who's missed him last week and refuses to to bite the bullet and back him this week i just pray he has another one of those 80s
0: yeah absolutely i think I think the thing is, you know, he gained over 12 strokes, didn't he, in approach last week, which is just, like you say, he's never going to do that again. The next best is was Charlie Hoffman at just under seven strokes. You know, he even miles ahead of everybody. Um, we, we mentioned McIlroy there, and I just think he's been out of sorts pretty much since the return. Um, he's, he's very much voiced his opinion on the fact that he doesn't like the fans not being there. He finds it hard to get up for. Um, I thought that maybe he would come back last week because not only of the lure of the fedex cup because me and jason had a sort of a a debate about it and are they incentivized by the 15 million dollars well i don't think it's particularly the money for him i just think that he's been so good in these fedex cup events that he he likes the prestige of winning the fedex cup you know it's as prestigious, I think, sometimes to get into world number one, especially as volatile as it is at the moment. Um, it's kind of like, well, this is the this is how you prove who's been the best season long. It doesn't quite work like that because you know there's so many points available when you get to the four events or three events now. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know. He gained over five strokes didn't in approach last week, Rory, but he just looks really out of sorts with his short game and, and his driving hasn't been as good as it used to be yeah he he's hard to weigh up at the moment i
1: i think i I suspect from from more your tone of voice than anything that you you sort of dwelt upon him at 18 to 1 and i did as well because i think it is the first week really that the price has has allowed for the problems in his game and that also coincides with his best iron play since the restarts his best iron play since the arnold palmer so you put those two things together and he becomes quite interesting. Then you go, OK, well, for for all that I, I think a grind is not necessarily his cup of tea. If we are talking about someone who drives it well and who can cope with a 7,400 yard par 70 or almost 7,400, then then Rory obviously is towards the top of that list. Um, he still looks great statistically on paper season long. So good was his golf um, prior to the, the lockdown. And really, I, I sort of do believe him that it's not really anything necessarily massively technical. Um, and this is, this is guesswork here, a lot of assumption. But I, I I suspect it is a bit of a motivation and a little bit of like just feeling the buzz again. Um, and that's the sort of thing that can just Be the turn of a coin, and and all of a sudden it it clicks for him. And I think he said recently, if he if he can just birdie the first hole, and by the way, it's a par five, um, you know, if he can just birdie the first and maybe pick up two more shots and be three under through five, okay, now I'm now I'm in tournament mode. So. There are loads of little things like that, which really tempted me. And then even I'll, I'll throw in the fact that watching DJ win by 11, you, you can be sure that will motivate the best players in the world. They wanna be doing that. Um, and certainly he, he will be um, on that page. So I think there are loads and loads of things and I, I can forgive the, the bad driving last week because he's driven it very well otherwise. And he's gonna go back home to Florida and find a driver that works. And he's done, you know, he turns around his driving very, very quickly. All of that I can be fine with. I could take a chance on his motivation. I just he's not putting well, and actually the last couple of years like he's just putted to a a consistently good standard, and it makes all the difference when you're you're dealing in those margins at the top of the sport. So that's a long-winded way of saying not quite Tom, but uh, eighteen to one, I I wouldn't talk anyone out of it.
0: This is the thing: is I I generally always think he's a little bit short in the market and it sounds ridiculous because he wins so often especially recently and and he is obviously on his day one of the best if not the best in the world but it's i kind of if you if it's 20 to 1 you kind of go you know oh my god like you got to take it like it's it's unavoidable but it's such a ridiculous it's only he it is 18 to 1 so it's not it's such fine margins but i just there's something about him like if he's struggling to get motivated because there's not a crowd there does he like showing off an awful lot because he hits these brilliant iron shots and towering woods? that if there's no one there to watch it is it worth it type thing i just thought that something was going to click last week um for him and it didn't and you know like you say he can turn his driving around very quickly but the putting has been you know particularly bad and it's just um i just think there's other players that, that make obvious cases around him that you know, I think there's enough there to kind of go. Well, if he does win, then great. Rory McIlroy's back, and we can enjoy viewing him, can't we? At that, at that price.
1: Yeah, I, I I would regret it slightly. I think if if we were looking at the top of the market, um, we've not come to the player I've put up yet. But of that five, I've not put up any of that five. The only two I considered strongly were him and Rahm. Um, I I I won't mind Rahm winning. He's ten to one. It's fine. I think Rory at 18 would just annoy me a little bit because you want to be on Rory at 18 when he wins. (laughs) He's actually got a fairly good record of doing it as well. You know, he he, he won after a miscut in the Canadian Open last year. Now, I know, I think before that, he just played brilliantly every week. But his odds drifted out a little bit. He won the Tour Championship after a bit of a low-key week in this event as well. Again, just eased out in the betting ever so slightly. Um, And the one that really sticks out is Bay Hill the the year before. You know, he'd, he'd gone uh 59th in the honda cut in the valspar and he went out to 16 to 1 in a weaker event than this and bang you know the i think the putter uh helped him a heck of a lot that week but whatever the the, the nuts and bolts of it he was back winning again and i think more so than most players um you know dj tends to win after a top 10 and you know as we look back now um he was second in the PGA and then wins at 20 to 1 it almost seems ridiculous now Rory's playing awfully and he's going to go off 18 to 1 um, so I think when you put it like that it makes him fairly easy to pass over and it makes you yeah. bloody bloody regret <laughs> not backing yeah, Johnson when
0: he's, yeah it does it does indeed and well did you were you surprised at how short John Rahm was because I you know yes he's come 6th and 13th the last two weeks uh, obviously the 13th being at the PGA Championship but it tends to be that he's kind of not it is kind of like a backdoor he's kind of saving his best until last you know he shot 65 to sign off last week uh, he shot 66 to sign off at the pga he'd done the same at the st jude to suggest he might go well at the pga with a 64 it just feels like he's it's not quite there um i don't know if they factored in a little bit that you know he's played it at, at the us amateur and things like that but i just i was surprised to see such a difference between him and justin thomas
1: 100% agree. I was a little bit surprised to see him short than DeChambeau, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. You know, the one thing is if you... Historically, this event has been won by a player who played very, very well in the previous event, and that actually doesn't leave you with much in terms of the world's best players, right? It takes out McElroy, it takes out DeShambo, it takes out Thomas. So if, if you want to do it that way, then obviously um, you have to start um, trimming someone at the front of the market. And, and I understand why it is wrong, but you're right. He's not contended since he won. Um, it's only four starts ago, but he, he's not contended. The thing for me is his approach play has been really poor. Um, he was the best driver in the field last week, which is great, and it could get him a long way here. But his iron play was really poor, and I think anyone who saw the coverage on Saturday will have will have seen him hit um, a rank shot into the water at sixteen, and he gave himself a real talking to and said something like, "What is it, John? Every time you try and draw the ball." And these are the small details that we, you know, obviously it's easy to overanalyze them and stuff. But when you when you see that. It's hard to shake it um, and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to take on board the, the fact that he doesn't seem to think he can draw the ball at the moment. Um, I'm going to take that on board at 10 to 1. It, it sticks with you when you're looking for, you have to nitpick, don't you, at 10 yes. to 1, the world's yeah. best players. And I think if you're going to nitpick, uh, you know, the, the golf he played versus the golf DJ played last week, there's no contest, and, and DJ still wins more tournaments. So I, I, I did consider him on in terms of the course fit and all those things um but as like like you said just 10 to 1 is like yeah it's 14s maybe but 10s is 10s is plenty short enough
0: yeah i just like you say i think if he was priced with thomas i think with the course fit with the fact that he's played there before i think you know statistically he would fit the mold and you'd go okay well he, he has won recently you know if you go in fine i still wouldn't do it but i could understand why others would but when it's when he's just two points you know bigger than dustin johnson who's eight to one looks short um I'd, I'd rather back dj in that situation i don't have an interest in backing DJ at single figures because I don't think I need to um, but let's get on to uh, your first pick then Xander uh, Schoffele um, he's 18 and 16 to one thereabouts he's he's been in marvellous form hasn't he he's been striking the ball incredibly well very consistent and it's just about taking that next step because he he won so quickly out of the box uh, out the box quickly didn't it? and and he looked to be a real winner and get over the line you know when he had chances and then all of a sudden it's kind of stuttered over the last 18 months or so yeah and i think it's really easy now as
1: we look back to start start nitpicking his wins you know he he very nearly missed the putt in the tour championship didn't he um he didn't beat much in the Greenbrier. he beat tony finau i know that sounds cruel and i love (laughs) tony um and i defend tony but he beat finau in the playoff in china and stuff like that so i think people will probably go um and, and look now for the for the holes in his resume but i i remain very very positive about him um if you look at the numbers wise he's playing the best golf of his career which let's not forget at this level actually started after ram he, he's only 26 um he, he got his pga tour card for the 2017 season um so you know he, it's early days for him by any other measure than colin morikawa it is early days um and I, I do appreciate a lot of people see eighteen to one, same price as Rory, shorter than Webb Simpson and Daniel Berger, shorter than Colin Morikawa who just won the PGA, and think, well, surely he's just the he's he's short enough, and you just have to leave him. Um, and I accept that totally, but I I just think he's so well suited to this. Um, that uh look if if i'm wrong and this is a shootout then then so be it but i think he's so well suited to this i think of the best players in the world he is the one who wants it as tough as you can get it um and actually as we've discussed with those market leaders like they're not bomb proof and with this being a slightly strange season um truncated and, and with a hole in the middle um, we've actually got like by BMW championship standards, a pretty weak field. There are a lot of players high up the FedEx cup who are, are high up because of what they did in Bermuda and Mexico. And I'm not going to go Brendan Todd there far from it, but there are players who've, who've, who've made it this far because of some low key form. And we've lost players like Fowler and Rose and, and, and one or two others. So um, it's not quite as strong a field as it may first appear. It's certainly a lot weaker than the PGA championship, which he went off at the same price. Um, he, he, played well there and if you look at where he's had a chance to win uh since uh lockdown was over in a pga tour sense at least um it's been the three toughest courses he's played the three par 70s um the the three with the thick rough and the 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 requirement to play the power fours really well which he's been doing um, the requirement not to make mistakes which he's been doing um yeah he ticks every single box for me and, and when you get that you know I, I guess you are a little bit more willing to just say okay 181 to one is not the best value bet I'll ever have but it'll do
0: is it uh, as well is there a factor in it that you know he's going to play four rounds this um, you know that's that's his gig isn't it that he um, likes these limited field events that's that's where he wins. Um and you know, at the end of the day it's less people to beat. Like you say, there's a lot of players that you'd you'd be interested in, you know, talking about. I know Justin Rose was one that you mentioned, um you know, that's one contender ticked off, isn't it, straight away. You've got guys here that he knows he can beat that they're not gonna win. Um and maybe it's just a mindset. I mean, there's other guys up there that are gonna be focusing an awful lot now on the US Open, um, but I think he's very much I'll just take what's in front of me and go for that.
1: Yeah, definitely. In terms of the field as well, I I think I counted 22 players at 200 to one or bigger. Now I've put one of them up and I hopefully might hit the frame, but um realistically you know there's not a lot of these guys there are a lot of these guys you can be fairly confident and not going to play particularly well a lot of guys struggling for form um like i said who who probably owe their place here to some of their performances earlier in the season someone like jt poston is just not playing very well um maverick mcneely's gone off the boil you know he's got some interesting connections to this golf course actually but um jim herman you know you Surely not again. Um, (laughs) Lightning striking twice in three weeks. There's a lot of players like that. Andrew Landry, Tom Hoagie, Carlos Ortiz, Nick Taylor. I'm pretty much reading the bottom of the betting here, but you get the message. There's kind of 50 players that might win this. If you're being really strict, you might say 30. So to get him in the top seven, you know... It doesn't seem much of an ask to me, and you mentioned the the no cut thing. I mean, obviously he's, he's won the WGC HSBC Champions, he's won the Tour Championship, he's won um, the what's the other one? tournament um, of
0: champions in Hawaii. The
1: tournament of champions, yeah. of course. Um, so um, yeah, for whatever reason, and and I don't think there's anything in that in a in a in a very literal sense. I don't I don't think there are players who are better when there's not the threat of a cut in in any sort of measurable sense. But if he believes he's better, then that's fine. That's all that matters. And I often say this when people say, you know, nonsense nonsense connection or, you know, no way. If the player believes it, all that matters. If he goes to this tee box thinking, this is my bag, this, I'm great at these parts, you know, tough par 70, no cut, this is perfect for me. Then that's a good thing. And um, hopefully he reads my preview then, because there's a, (laughs) like I said, all the positives (laughs) are listed. And I I really don't see any negatives, um, apart from the fact that he he doesn't happen to have won um, a tournament for a a year and a half now. And I I think the margin between success and failure is, well, um, very, very small,
0: particularly in his case. I think this is the this is the thing is that we were spoiled for years on how often Tiger Woods won. Then Rory McIlroy comes out and wins an awful lot as a youngster. Colin Morikawa wins three times in a in a year after turning pro, and and you expect that to be the norm. And Thomas goes on a run and wins quite a few in a year, but it's not. It's not that easy, and it doesn't make you a bad player that you can't match that. Because if, if you know if, if everyone in the top five, you expect to do three wins a season. No one else could possibly win, and it would just be you know be absolutely ridiculous. So, um, it you know you just have to look at it, don't you? You have to look at statistically how does he fit in um, the body of work he's got in front of him. And you just just looking at Xander uh, Schauffele's career, you know, you look at the top twenty um, events in his official world golf ranking. Um, you normally got you know aside from the really experienced players that you know newcomers have normally got a a top 30 top 40 at the bottom of their in a major or something you know all of his finishes are inside the top seven he's got major finishes seconds um twice you know it's it's littered with opportunity and and i don't really remember a time where he you know threw it away um i just think that he's been beaten a couple of times and i think that when he's been beaten he's been beaten by a very good player hasn't he
1: yeah i mean he'll certainly regret the three part of the tournament of champions um and and the shot he hit to the 15 at colonial but i don't think it's any more than that's just what happens sometimes right I mean, There are some very tough, very mentally sound players who do deliver under the gun, who have hit bad. Every every one of them, every person's um, missed a chance to win at some stage in their careers. Um, So I have no qualms with with Ram. He's, you know, I think he's 11 top twenty fives in his last 12 uh, tournaments. It's extraordinarily consistent. Uh, If you look at the stats I was looking at, strokes gained off the tee, actually, I, I, I thought might be a better place than Strokes gain approach this week which is rare for me um bogey avoidance which is very very strong on I think he was first in that in in Memphis ironically because the reason he'd didn't win that tournament or have a chance to win was he made an eight but i think it was his only mistake um and and his par four stats are as good as you'd expect so he's got he's got really solid chance here I, I think a lot of people will just turn their nose up at the price and i get that but what i would just stress is that we're not asking would he win this one in 18 um it's much more complicated than that we're saying you know what what is the likelihood he hits the frame at least and, and at some stage gives you a good run for your money and i think that I actually think he's as likely as anybody in this tournament to to play well if if that vague uh, moniker can can be used. I, I think, you know, you'd you take him in pretty much any matchup. You take him at six to four to beat DJ. You take him at even money to beat Rory, even I think. And I think that, that says a lot for the case I'm making anyway. But uh, as I say, I know it won't be for everyone. I think a lot of people just think he's not quite as good as players like McIlroy and Deschambeau and and leave it there, which is which is fair enough.
0: Yeah, no, I completely understand that. Let's look a bit further down now, and you've got this collection here. Webb Simpson's always around, you know, the twenties one price at the moment because he's been excellent for for a while now. Um, I think this would possibly be a bit too long for him. Daniel Berger's been the form player of of these uh, this you know restart, and then you've got Colin Morikawa who missed his, only his second cut as a pro or second cut in total uh, last week. Um, I, I did wonder when you know he had a really great putting week at Harding Park, and they were on greens that he knew, and they weren't particularly difficult greens to read. I did wonder if the putting woes would come back. But it was actually his irons were were pretty poor last week as well. And do you think there's a kind of a hangover, or do you think it's just a case of um, you know it's percentages, right? He can't he can't just go on not missing cuts. Everybody misses cuts, and and it's just going to happen now.
1: I guess there's a there's definitely a risk of a hangover um, from the PGA Championship, or, or if not a hangover, then um, uh, like oh crap, what what do I do now? You know, <laughs> like yeah. um, I've I've achieved a what for many is a lifelong goal that takes them twenty years on the tour or whatever, and I've done it just straight off the bat, basically. Um, so there will be an adjustment there, and, and perhaps it, it's still sinking in. Um, the, the other way to put it i suppose he's missed one cut in his career and he went and won the next tournament and if you look at the way he missed the cut of the travelers he just had an off week he he, he lost about eight strokes um sorry uh, four and a half five strokes to green where he lost three and a bit last week so it kind of similar um and it would just he, he can shake it off clearly and, and i think a lot of people would Uh, look at that, the way he he won the work day after missing the cut of the Travellers and think Lightning will strike twice. And and certainly his ability to uh, cope on a long golf course in San Francisco bodes well. Um, He's not for me because i i don't like that 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 feels awfully speculative like there's not actually any substance to that like he missed the cut and then he won so he can do it again it's just a it's just a random pattern yeah. um I, I i want something tangible and i don't really have it and i do have those concerns but you know if he keeps winning tournaments every five or six starts he'll keep looking uh, a stupidly obvious 20 to one chance <laughs> <won't> he? <laughs> he will
0: he would indeed yeah And one player that was very popular last week was jason day and i know you mentioned india column that it, when there's problems with him and he, he's he been rightly backed last week because he's in incredible form he split with his coach and and kind of figured out his own game but that is a downside when you do start to struggle with it with your drive in one week or your irons that when there isn't someone there to overlook it and you've got to figure it out yourself that can uh, can catch up with you especially on a course you don't know very well
1: yeah and um, it's always difficult to sort of assess your own tips isn't it because I you know, like bad tips win and good tips lose. You know, I, I said last time last time I was on this podcast, I, I I I'm confident the best tip I'll put up this year is Brooks Koepka at Southwind and it didn't win. Um and I'll have put up some some bad what I think, you know, someone told me last year Tyrrell Hatton was an awful sixteen to one shot and he happened to win and sort of look back and think, should he have been sixteen maybe not? I don't know. Um but the point with Day is like I I have to say it didn't take long last week for me to think he really putting up jason day at 25 to 1 in this tournament like maybe that was a mistake um because he was 40 to 1 for the pga and just to use a comparison and i know there's a lot of complexities to this but dj was 20 22 to 1 for pga yeah. finished second and he went off 22 the next time jason day finished behind dj in the pga started a bigger pro- twice the price and then he went off the same price That's last mad, week so <laughs> I, look, I, so what I'm trying to say here is, I don't think that was my finest hour, um, and it certainly wasn't his. His approach play was abysmal. He was 13 shots worse than he was at the PGA Championship, four shots around, uh, three and a half shots around. It just, it was abysmal. He was hitting irons from the middle of the fairway, missing the green by 50 feet. Um, I don't know what you put that down to. I and and most times I would lean towards just forgive and forget and you know if he'd gone out to 40 I think I would have been really struggling to leave him out um but the more I thought about it you know he's he's split with Cole Swatt and it had all gone really really well and now all of a sudden he's got a problem and that problem is he was abysmal and who's going to help him fix it I don't know um maybe his caddy maybe maybe another coach maybe he'll say you know pete cowan coming over have a look at me if pete's there this week all sorts of possibilities but they're they're, they're all unknowns to me so um i am happy to swerve him and if he goes and wins i'll swear but um you know it's just one of those things
0: yeah absolutely i think you have to you have to make that assessment and you have to stick to it don't you and you, you live and die by it and, and it is what it is and uh you know it the case you make is that you know, he should be a bigger price when you look at it on reflection and it was easy to get kind of sucked into him last week because it made the total sense. And really, when you look at this what this golf course demands, it should suit him again. But it has to be at his best and and he wasn't that last week. There's another player at a similar price, um, is Patrick Cantlay. Now he's currently on the outside looking in, he's thirty seventh in the FedEx Cup rankings, so he needs a good week. Um, but it's not been there since the restart. And and I'm kind of wondering when his price is going to go out, similar to when you say Rory's price is getting to a price where it can't, can't be left alone. I feel like Cantley still needs to get out to sort of 40 and 45 to one before I start to think that's a, a price he needs to get to.
1: 100% agree. I scan the market thinking, well, maybe Cantlay will be a price where I have to look again rather than just immediately say on to the next one. Um, and he wasn't, so so that's fine with me. it like, makes the decision pretty easy. He did play really well through the middle two rounds of the PGA. Uh, he played brilliantly over the weekend at St. Jude. He played perfectly well in the first round at the Northern Trust, but he has not done it. You know, he shot 65 to finish seventh in the Workday Charity Open from from 25th or whatever he was. So 65 in the final round of the travels to finish 11th. He's just not really been there, has he? Um, and I think patience is, is wearing thin. I, I'm a huge fan, as I'm sure most people are. Um, I think he'll he'll go on to achieve great things in the game, but he really needs to tidy up his iron plate. Um, his putter was awful last week and that there are enough negatives the one positive I think if you run numbers on the hardest courses then he comes out very very strongly um pretty much on a par with with Xander but um his form isn't there in the same way so yeah I think a lot of people probably put those two as Jason often talks about golf as a sort of group together I think they they would be two, um but there's no question which one arrives with the greater
0: confidence absolutely i i do wonder if there is you know a lingering sort of issue with the injury with, with cantley a little bit because he, he's not used to playing this amount of events in a short space of time because he does tend to protect his back i've heard interviews with him where he says that he has to get to the course sort of four hours early to warm up and and you know do everything properly and i feel like maybe because of the the covid restrictions he can't get into the gym and do those sort of things before his round and and maybe that's enough for him to to seize up or tighten up or even if it's just a case of there isn't actually anything physically but because he can't get into that routine he was in that might just be enough to put him off because it, there's a clear um you know pattern to his last few weeks where he's nowhere near the level that he's expected to be at yeah that's a very
1: interesting hypothesis i hadn't i hadn't read the interview so that's it makes some sense doesn't it um you know he's certainly not been driving the ball as well he he's basically not been doing anything quite as well as we know he can i think with players like Cantlay, it's kind of striking and 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 jarring when they miss a cut, isn't it? Because you just you expect so much of them, and to finish, you know, 32nd, 35th, 43rd, and and then miss cut his last four. Um, for all I put him up at the PGA on the hope that that weekend at, at St Jude had um, had sort of solved all the problems it, it clearly hasn't and and that, that's a for him that's a really poor run of form you know that's kind of like a a more wayward player of a similar ability maybe, maybe someone like a female who's kind of a bit more in and out it's like they're missing four cuts in a row for him to do that obviously one of them didn't have a cut but you, you get the point I, I think he's quite a long way below his best
0: yeah absolutely i think last week i put up patrick reed i thought i was, I was really quite confident just because of the test and you know what he'd done there before mm-hmm. um his price hasn't changed after a mediocre week. He was he was never a bad round, but he was never scoring low enough to even get in the frame. And uh, I think I'm pretty confident that this probably isn't the best test for him just because um, his driving isn't the best. And and on a longer golf course where you need to be hitting the fairways, that, that probably is an easy way to rule him out.
1: Yeah, I agree, um, he'd need his short game to be really sharp and it wasn't last week so he, he was a fairly easy one to rule out and I, I, you can always find something can't you and he obviously played really well in the US Open um, a couple of years ago but uh, at Shinnecock which is a similar yardage and a par 70 and all that stuff but he, he really tends to play well in New York and uh, for whatever reason um, and yeah I, I I couldn't see any great positives for him no.
0: No absolutely Tiger Woods is there, he's, he's playing again um, hasn't shown enough really for me to, to kind of get excited again when you see Tiger Woods and 35 to 1 a lot of people will just click it and hope for the best won't they hoping that he relives his, his Zozo form and his Masters form but um expectations are low I think coming into the week
1: yeah I thought I thought Boston was a really good setup for him and he and he didn't really perform um you know final round was his best as it as it had been in the PGA Championship there's, there's always a something to take with you into the next week um the the one that you know he's got a bit of work to do to make it to East Lake, so I'm sure you know not that Tiger Woods really lacks for motivation and obviously he's still chasing Snead isn't he so um yes. um I'm sure there aren't really any motivational aspects there but it wouldn't surprise you would it were he to to step up at the the last chance now so um that would be the one positive but he didn't play particularly well here in the US Open um and yeah for me that was easy enough to rule out
0: yeah you just need to find positives at the moment it's a case of the only positive is is it's Tiger Woods, and he is the type of person to do something under the gun. But you can't, if you can't quantify it, it's, it's not as easy as that, is it? And it's you know, when there's someone like we're just going to go on to, Scotty Scheffler's finished, you know, tied fourth in both of his last two events, fifteenth um, and twenty second before that as well, and he's a similar price. Um, drives it an absolute mile, um, you know, relatively straight at times when he needs to be. Um, I don't think. I want to back him at 35-1 to because I don't think... uh, I think there's probably people that can make better cases than him, but it's hard to argue with that kind of price at the moment.
1: Yeah, he's another who's played here as an amateur and played okay. By no means did he... Um, achieve what some others uh, in this field Morikawa, Wolf, Shelton uh, McNeely and a, and a few others have done at the course but you know, the, the point with the amateur form, um, which I guess we'll come on to with, with Shelton maybe in a, in a while it, it's not really where they finished, it's more that they've been here and they know what it looks like and they've played it um, because that help us with preparation and things like that. So um, Scheffler's got that to his advantage. He played great last week, didn't he? Um, You know, a bit of a slow final round, but fourth place, another step in the right direction for him. Um, There are very few players who are hitting the ball as well as he is um, at the moment. Um, Loads of positives. I kind of just feel with him, and there are a couple of others like Sam Burns and Cameron Davis. Now, Scheffler's a bit better than those two. Um, But they're the kind of guys you're thinking, all this is great, and then it means that when the new season starts you know um, that they'll be ready to go and win their events and it's almost a bit like you know you might just have to wait step aside just these last two weeks and and let the the big guns duel it out um, because winning one of these events as your first PGA Tour win would be uh, be rare it might even be unprecedented I'm trying to think it was I think Heath Slocum had won before and, and obviously the FedEx Cup has changed a lot since then anyway so I, I think those players like they might play well but I, I find it a little bit difficult to see them winning for all that. Um, this particular batch of youngsters have been defying such uh, expectations all year.
0: Yeah, and I don't, you know I don't put him in the same group as as a Colin cow where you you know you just nothing surprises you. I think that it would be a surprise. I think that he held his own very well at the PJ, which is why he was popular last week and why he looked like he you know held his own again. But it you know importantly he didn't get close enough to DJ. No one could get close to DJ because obviously he was so far better than everybody else. But um you know i think it's just easy enough to skip over kevin kisner talking a step aside, he kind of basically said last week that when dustin plays like that he's just happy to go and make some money elsewhere um i think that would be a similar case this week because i think that he well obviously we know he's not the longest hitter on tour and um he will be very happy i would have thought with a top 10 finish here uh adding to his bank account already this season and certainly over the last few events but to see him seriously contend here on, on the length of this course would be quite a surprise, I think.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um he I think he would be happier, you're right, and I think he'd roll into East Lake as a genuine contender. Depends how East Lake plays, but if it plays in any way firm, um and you do get a bit of rollout on the fairways and stuff, you know, that's the sort of course that's more made for him than this. Um it is an old old fashioned design, but it's it's a very big property. Um and I just you know he has been leaning on the putter and i i think he, he obviously outperformed expectations on a big golf course in the pga and i could see him doing that again but that's kind of what i expect would happen like if he plays really really well he might finish 15th so yeah. you know, there's
0: not much use to anybody absolutely you know harris english continues to play well his price is cut in half from last week understandably i guess because of, you know limited field and, and he did finish second um as you uh, spoke about at the PGA Championship, he's striking the ball as well as he ever has done. Uh, he's up there with the very best on tour at the moment. Uh, I thought... I didn't think 40-1 was actually that bad. I know it's half the price of what it was last week, but I think, you know, given his form, um, it's just, again, whether he can keep up off the tee and, and things like that as well.
1: Yeah, I think you will take a lot from last week, actually. Um, you know, the, the Wyndham was frustrating for him, I'm sure. And I think you look back on all these top twenties without looking like you might win. I think there'll be a bit of frustration running through. And I think last week he can stand up and I guess the pressure was taken off a little bit in a strange way by, by DJ running away as he did. But, um, he was really, really good, really impressive. And, and he, and also he had to go about the game a very different way to DJ. I mean, he's not short, but he's, he's certainly not one of the longest hitters. Um, and I think he he he's spoken about it actually in his interviews that like he's given up trying to be Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson he's just happy being him and and getting the most out of his game so he's he's finally priced um, as according to his play because this is how good he is now yeah. um, so I don't put anybody off um you know I, I certainly regret not sticking with my own guns last week and and getting the place money at 80s um, but he is now priced according to his quality. There, there could be more to come. I, th- I think he's a bit like Kisner in that, you know, I'd definitely be interested in Eastlake when we're trying to work out the, you know, might not win the FedEx Cup, but you might have the low 72 hole score or whatever. I'm sure we'll discuss those dynamics in our various uh, formats <laughs> next week. But I, th- I think he's definitely one you could see shooting the low 72 hole score out of contention at Eastlake if that makes sense Make, yeah, makes perfect absolutely. sense to me that he would end this season uh, doing something like that anyway yeah I completely agree I think he, he's won here as an amateur by the way sorry that's just one thing yeah. to add but it was in 2009 so who cares
0: yes yeah, a long time ago isn't it um Victor Hovland is, is another one of your picks um similar price there at 40 to 1 um He's in, he's in that mould and I kind of spoke uh, quite a while now, it was you know, six or seven weeks ago, and I said that there wasn't really that much of a gap between Hovland and Morikawa and since then has won uh, the work day and then won the PGA Championship, so I kind of look a little bit foolish, but he he's you know, a brilliant ball striker in his day um, and when he's getting his short game into gear, he's going to be a serious contender, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. If if, the, if Pete Cowan can can
1: build him a short game, anything like workable um i think he probably will be every bit as good as as morikawa not to say you know i don't i don't like forecasting majors and things like that because he could go his career without without winning one but it seems fairly certain he'll he'll be winning plenty of tournaments that's that's for sure and and become a mainstay of the european rider cup side and all those things that seem reasonable to predict um i would certainly predict for him um i like him this week Mainly or a couple of reasons. He's got experience the course. He played here for Oklahoma when um, Matt Wolf won. There's a 2018 renewal. I think Wolf was first. Morikawa was second. Justin Sue was fifth or something like that. And and Hovland was sixth. Shot, shot the best round of, of that bunch in, in the final round. All three rounds were played on the the North Course, which is the one we're playing this week um you know I didn't play quite as long but it it wasn't by any means um off the the front tees um so i think that's a useful form but more than anything it's just a look around it makes preparation a little bit easier and you know we 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 saw him go back to pebble beach didn't we a year after he'd won the u.s amateur and finished 12th as an amateur in the u.s open um which is just a, a nice little bit of encouragement that he can actually put this this course knowledge to use because otherwise he's been learning on the job um the key, really though, for me, was the, the final round on sunday he, he struck the ball to a fantastic standard. Um, I probably am guilty of getting a little bit too carried away with one round, particularly when it 's the final round and just sort of <laughs> assuming they 're going to take that with them uh, But with him, I think that you know that 's what he 's good at, and it feels like maybe he's just just maybe his alignment was off or something small and 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 it 's been fixed, and now we 're ready to go again and and the way he struck the ball in the sort of middle part of summer. Um, I think you're making a big threat on a course like this. You know, top 20 off the tee, top 10 approach, or the other way around. I, I forgive me, I don't remember which way round it is. I think it's approaches. He's top 10, um, and it's just the short game. Uh, it, 15th hole on Sunday, middle of the fairway, came up short with his wedge and took four shots from 50 feet. So there is a worry there. He will have to hit a lot of greens. Um, but the one thing I would say is that thick rough is sometimes a bit of a leveler, not always. Um but basically most of his problems are when he's just come up a little bit short. Um he's in the fairway, he's got a tight lie and he might do something awful. Um so if he can avoid that, you know, getting the bunker is fine, he's fine out of sand. Um I think if he can avoid those mistakes around the green he'd be a massive player this week. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure he'll play well.
0: He's brilliant from one fifty to one seventy five as well, which is a range that's gonna be pretty popular this week and, you know, come up quite often with, with the length of the holes. He's eighteenth on tour in that statistic. And I think that just that kind of helps, it's kind of an encouragement, you know, you have to find something to sort of back up your claims, and that's not necessarily one of them, because it's right in front of you anyway, but I think that's a an extra sweetener for me, I think, you know, as I just said there, I think he's every bit, as, or he was every bit as good as Moral Cara for one point, he, you know, he's leading, he was, I think it was three weeks in a row, he led the T to green stats. so um, like you say, if Pete Carroll can work his wonders, who, you know, he's got a very good uh, CV for doing that, then then he's going to be certainly a contender. Another guy that like that is is Matthew Wolf, isn't he? He's slightly younger than the others, but he he, he hits it a country mile. Um, you know, he had one terrible round last week. You know, 77 that cost him. Um, I mean, he was never catching up with DJ anyway, but it really saw him tumble down the leaderboard. You know, 65, 66, 67, 67, 67 after that. Um, you know, it's 45 to one is is kind of a fair price about him i think but maybe not enough to get too excited about
1: yeah i, I, I he was very much the same logic as hovland like if you, if you like hovland you you probably should like wolf i know that's a tempting sort of thing to rush to on any given week but i think in this particular one because of that amateur experience they've got of the course uh, you know you you struggle to get away from one if you like the other um i just with wolf he's he's a little bit more volatile um yeah. probably not quite so good at avoiding mistakes a bit more explosive you know and you, you look at the tournament he won in the 3m open that's kind of explosive all over it um rocket mortgage classic he was second again you know low scoring and and the, the obviously the caveat is that he was fourth in the pga but he he hit the ball so well it wouldn't matter where he was playing um and if he's not going to hit it that well, I, I just worry he'll make a few, few too many mistakes. Uh, I know short games is better than Hovland's, don't get me wrong, but I just, just the way he manages his game around of golf course, I'd just be slightly wary, and, and obviously that third round was pretty pretty jarring last week and, and in general his iron play got progressively worse as the week went on the other thing um he's only played one more event than hovland but um it is one and he i think he's had one week off in the yeah. 11 weeks we've been out or 12 weeks we've been out it's a lot of golf and obviously he can't take a week off now it's the playoffs um you have to keep going uh he'll have to roll right through the u.s open and then put his feet up for a bit but at some stage you, you look at that round of 67 and just think were will, will you just not mentally there that day you know things like that and he, he just hovland hasn't quite been in the mix for a while and maybe he's been able to recharge the batteries a bit whereas wolf's gone from you know nearly winning the pga championship starting well in the northern trust and all of a sudden it's just he, he's flanned out and I, I would worry that that continues
0: Yeah, I think that's a great assessment there. Another player who caught my eye in similar odds is Tyrrell Hatton because he sort of returned a bit to form after a couple of bad weeks. He shot third round 63 last week. He'll certainly enjoy it being a little bit tougher if that is the case this week. Um, You know, this guy was hitting the ball as well as anyone or better than anyone in a small sample size. Um, you know, after winning at Bay Hill, um, and I thought 40 to was fair enough. Again, Tony Finau should should love this course. He loves this kind of test. He loves the major fields of these fields. Um, but I was surprised that he hadn't gone out to a bigger price, considering he was 33 to one last week and and played poorly.
1: Yeah I agree it feels a little bit like that's happened doesn't it quite a few players like DJ have drastically shortened and and yet not much has been given away I mean that's that's kind of a reflection of the the smaller field um so you know that we we are 50 what 55 players fewer this time so um that that probably explains it to a large extent with Hatton um obviously I put him up last week he his third round 63 was effortlessly good um the 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 second round 71 was quite the opposite and his his ball striking was as bad as it's been for a year and a half but what was interesting is that when he was asked about that on the saturday he said no it really wasn't that bad actually it's just i was really unlucky and for hatton who who, you know he's known for being fairly yeah he's self-critical and and fairly frank in his assessments for him to say he just felt a bit unlucky that day it probably you know the, the data does not tell you when they hit a rake and bounce 20 yards right or they hit a uh, sprinkler head and all that doesn't tell you that so something like that may have happened at some point and and he certainly felt unlucky now he was poor on sunday and the one thing i would say he you know he he got course form at boston he he contended there in his one and only visit and you could have 66 to 1 i don't think anything is that much more positive after that week, I mean, he hit the ball just as well in the PGA where he missed the cut. Um, and now he's, you know, he's into 40s, 40, 45. So that, you know, for me, that was enough to to leave him out. But um, he, he's another, and I've probably put up half
0: my staking plan for Eastlake already, but he's, he's another. I think Eastlake could really suit him yeah no i completely agree i just thought there were a couple of interesting names there we'll, we'll get on to your to your next pitch jason kokrak now he was a uh, 100s one when you put him up he's he's come back into sort of 90s one and 70s and one there but he was one that kind of come up as soon as you hear it's a driver's course and um, there's not many people that hit it longer and straighter than him um he's always had that in his art you know in his arsenal really. i just he's He's one of those players that, you know, he gets grouped in this kind of non-winner category, doesn't he? And sometimes it feels a little bit unfair and sometimes you think, well, no, it's, it's fairly accurate. So does his first win on the PGA Tour come in this kind of event or are you just looking at him as a you know, a very fair each-way value at the triple digits you put him up at?
1: Yeah, more towards the latter, really. I, kind of similar with Ooste Hazen last week. Now no know Hazen is a player capable of winning on the PGA Tour, but he's still not done it in America. Um, so um, he was the same. I just really thought he would play well. And whenever you come across someone who, and I think I probably said this year before, when when you come across someone who you really think will play well, not just think he's overpriced or you quite fancy, I really look at them and you think, yeah, he's going to play well. Everything is right for him. Um, whoever that player is, if they're, of this, you know, PGA Tour standard. They're playing the BMW Championships, and, and they're hundred to one. Then I don't think we need to dwell too much on it. Um, I, I you know, we, if if he if he bottles it on Sunday, so be it. Um, but we'll take our chances because uh, his last eight rounds have been brilliant. Fifteenth um, at the Wyndham, which you wouldn't have thought was perfect for him, and then thirteenth last week at at, uh, at Boston, closed with around a round of sixty-five. His he eagled the last to get into the field this week. Um, his iron play on Sunday was like. He, he's like five and a half shots he gained uh with his iron play which is just ridiculous and and that's him like it's not i don't know it's a flash uh, i mean it is a flash in the pan but it's not something that he can't take with him it's to he's capable
0: of, isn't it any any given week mm. isn't it it's his kind of strength
1: 100 percent. and and it really comes down to the putter he was 52nd last week he he referenced it in his interview and speaking of his interview i actually thought he was pretty bullish which is he's quite a timid character um doesn't say a lot, doesn't say it very loudly. Um, And and I think you will have seen if you saw him in that charity thing at the Wyndham with Pat Perez, you know, Perez was doing all the talking. Um, But he was, I thought he was pretty bullish in his interview. And and the other thing, I mean, I guess it can work both ways, but it's a free role for him. He's got into this at the last minute. He's already in the Masters this year because this is a strange year. Um, So he qualified for the Masters actually by making the Tour Championship last year when he was the the bubble guy going into uh, this event. Um, he's going to be playing the masters for the first time in november it's a career ambition of his i'm sure it would be anybody but it, but all that is gone this is a free go if he happens to make it to east late which and he'll need to finish sort of seventh or eighth i think um if not better if he if he does do it again then great he can play the masters again in april but it's already done for, for November, so that's good for him. Um, his brother lives in Chicago. I don't know what that's worth, but he might be able to stay with family. I don't know what the rules are at the moment, but loads of little things to like. But the main thing to like is someone who comes in here with back-to-back top 15s. He hits it miles. He's going to a tough golf course. And if you look at where he's nearly won, uh, Congressional, Riviera, Copperhead, uh, Bay Hill, tough golf courses. Um, so I think this is this is him. If he can just put average if his strokes game putting figure is zero i'll take that and see see what happens with the long game
0: yeah absolutely i completely agree that's uh definitely the the way i'd assess it and i think i suppose as a a tony female sympathizer apologist i Mm -hmm. suppose it's one of those types of people isn't it um jason kogratz obviously had longer to do it in um but again you know he does he does throw the odd things away and sometimes he just doesn't close enough and i think that he only has to finish inside the, the top eight to to pay you out some money. And, and at some point, these players are going to go, even the ones that you think can't win, are just going to get over the line because they've just played too well. I think it happens. We do see it sometimes. Um, you know, everyone says how good Jim Herman is in contention. But if you fire a, a 61-63 over weekend because you just unconsciously hit your iron so well, um, you know, it's going to happen. Jason Coquette, you'd certainly expect that to be more consistent than, than Herman doing that.
1: Yeah, and look, you know, I I know what you mean with him. It's another exact like when he won in Houston, he chipped in and on the seventeenth, rubbish shot to the seventeenth and chipped in, and like, come on, that's just a bit of luck there, really. Then he wins the Barber which is great, um, but it's low key, isn't it? And then. Yeah, he was really good, but he needed Horshaw to miss a couple of putts. He, miss, he missed one himself. I don't think he's some, you know, Man close, though. He just, <laughs> it's just, it's so much on the roll of the dice. Now, obviously, Cockrack still has to prove he can do it. I just, I, it's probably a bit simplistic, but I'd rather, if he was playing in the Safeway Open this week at 20-1, to 1, you'd probably go, well, look, I'm not going to take on board that risk. And I, I would rather, um, and it actually comes back to probably why he hasn't won. He is a golfer who plays his best stuff on tough golf courses. Tough golf courses generally are the places they go with the best fields um Riviera is a great example when when he finished second at Riviera, he just ran into Bubba. you know what can you do about that? He ran into Bubba on a good day um he He finished second to Casey in the Valspar Now maybe I could be a bit more critical of that. Um, when he played the Arnold Palmer i can't remember who won that year. It might have been Leishman but it's it's good players and Kevin Chappell was one for a long time. Kevin Chappell banging his head on the door and you look at who was beating him McElroy jason day like yeah. you know and eventually it's not a case that chapel went down in grade and and won a rubbish event he won in texas and he beat brooks kepka because it just went for him that day so um you know i'm not i'm not confident car will win this week by any means but i think he will play well and like i said seven places you know, if he finishes fifth that's fine with me um but i i think he will be there at some stage which is the important thing
0: but I think it's it's worth it's worthy to point out, like you say, that he's locked up that Masters spot. It's, this time of year, normally you're trying to get to East Lake to to get all these you know positives, and and he's got that. Uh, yes, he'd like to do it again, but if he doesn't, then then so be it. He's got it to look forward to in November. Um, I think that's a really good point there, and one that I'd certainly take on board as well. Alex Noran, I thought was interesting because he's everybody expected him when he had that you know really good run on the European Tour. They expected him to to step up and. And play well in majors, and and come over to the PGA and do it there as well. Um, and he's started to do that, hasn't he? After a after a, you know a lean spell, um, his last four events: third, ninth, twenty second, eighth last week. Um, he's certainly a player that can get it away off the tee when he needs to. Um, you know, he puts well when he gets some form, and I don't think he'd be frightened to win an event at this level. No, I
1: agree. Uh, he'll be very, very confident. Three top tens in four starts. From a statistical level, he's the exact sort of player I shy away from, which is he's not driving it well. He's not in his approach shots very well. Uh, he's been dynamite on and around the greens. Like yeah. Last, You know, last two, three weeks, he, he's just been brilliant on and around the greens. Um, tenth in putting last week, he was third in putting at the 3M Open. The uh, 3M Open, he drove it, and his approach was perfectly well, don't get me wrong, but you know he's going to have to up those to win on the PGA Tour, I believe. Um, he's capable at his best. You know, he's, a, he's a quality iron player at his best. Um, interesting reading. His quotes last week is always interesting when we, we get these people in front of a microphone for the first time in a while. He said, um, and you'll have heard this one before, he said, I spent the last couple of years trying to learn how to draw it. <laughs> and I've gone back to the fade. Um, so if, if that rings any bells to Herr Keimer, then there you go. But, um, yeah, it, at least he's back doing what he does best. And he, he's one of those, you know, if he came back to Europe anytime soon, um, which he may well do, I don't, I don't know what his plans are, but this could be the end of the season for him. And, and if it is, if he comes back to Europe in a couple of weeks, you know, watch out because he's, he's playing an exceptionally good standard of golf and, and he's got room to improve because the Irons, the irons could get better.
0: Yeah, and that's, sometimes I look at that and I think, it's, like you said, there's a, a negative in one sense that he's relied on his putter an awful lot over the last couple of weeks. But also, I look at it, there's an opportunity there for him to make a big difference. So he's he's just about gained strokes last week with his approaches, whereas we know that he's generally a decent iron player and that you know he could very easily gain four or five strokes in one week. Um, whether that happens in this type of event, you don't know, and it's it would be a big leap from week to week. Uh, which is obviously what you're referencing to there i just think that there is an opportunity for him to do it um same with Ustazen as well you know he played played well last week and he was obviously a massive price last week when you look back at it um but i think they're sort of similar that you know they've both got a lot to play for to try and get into east lake i know um who certainly have to do very well Would need to to get there but um another player that you like at this uh price range and all since I've started this podcast, really, really, I've kind of said that he's been a big price along. That's Bubba Watson. Um, he's he's ninety to one. I think you put him at a hundred, and he he just doesn't seem to ever get any respect in the market unless it's Riviera or the Masters.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's you can understand that, can't you? Because that's historically the, the, he's been a, the most horses for courses player, perhaps in the sport. So um, I get that. But, you know, he went off some very, very short prices for, you know, I think the Travellers, he went off a very short price after a final round, 65 at the Heritage, uh, go back into the, the spring and, and he was going off short prices at some of those courses he's played well at before. Um, but then he just he just gets cast aside, doesn't he, when he when there's no evidence or, or limited evidence that you like a course. And if you look at Boston last week, he finished 18th with a final round, one over par 72. Um i think he made a double bogey at the 16th just hit his shot in the water he's probably trying to hit it to a foot and finish second isn't he and and he just didn't get it right or whatever um i, I certainly not going to dwell on one shot essentially he's played well enough to finish 10th or 8th there and he's got one top 10 in 13 visits to boston so it's very much not a golf course that he's thrived on in the past so that tells me he might just be playing quite well and then you look at the you know strokes came off the tee numbers are very very good as you'd probably expect them to be his uh, approach play the last two weeks has been solid it's not been his best but it's been positive um and the the putter has has, has been okay you know it's been a bit in and out all year but he, he switched to an old putter last week and he finished with a positive figure that'll do um and i guess you're really just chanting on him liking it here um and that in itself is very difficult to work out but the 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 real thing for me that that i thought when when looking at his profile essentially bubba watson is rubbish at majors unless it's augusta i know he nearly won at whistling Straits in 2010 but since then he has no top tens anywhere but augusta he's got an abysmal us open record he doesn't like to grind and and find or whatever you want to call it um so the fact that he made the cut in the pga is fine um but it it also highlights that all of his best form is in this range where you sort of you're either shooting somewhere between about -8 and -15 that mid-tier scoring like it's not easy his driver is a weapon um you've got to you've got to scrap for it but it's not it's not a major. Um, and that's, for me, hopefully, that's what this is. And if that's the case, then, and he takes to it and he turns up on that first tee and he, he likes the shape of the holes and stuff, then, then he's a crazy price. But, you know, there's a big risk factored in. But if you're going to take a risk, then, then let it be a player of his class at, uh, at that sort of
0: price. I think one of the things, just to pick on what you mentioned, it's a new course to most of the people in the field. And I think he's the one person that's not going to overthink anything. He's going to to maybe walk a few holes or play a practice round. He's going to go, right, well, I can take it here. Um, He doesn't hit the same shot shape as anybody on tour. He hits his own shot shape. He hits his own types of shots. Um, he just sees it and hits it, doesn't he? He's he's very much a feel player, and uh, you know he's got his technique, but it works for him. Um, and he's not going to just overanalyze; it. he's just going to go, "Well, I can hit it here," and and if it works, you know, it works. And you know that range that I spoke about, the one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy-five earlier. He's he's twenty-second in on tour in that range. So again, you know, if he leaves himself those those yardages, he's he's going to hit it well. I just there's a lot of positives about a player that's you know ninety to one. And, you know, you look at the the company that he's keeping in that range. I mean, you've got Matt Cooch that hasn't been at his best form. I know he played reasonably well last week. Uh, Ryan Palmer's someone I do like, but, you know, he hasn't got the CV that, that Bubba Watson has. Um, and then, you, then you're looking at the, sort of the up-and-comers. You've got Cameron Champ, again, is at a similar price. Um, but but Bubba Watson has been there and proved it, hasn't he? And, you know, are you back in potential? Or are you back into someone that, you know, in these high-profile events can get it done? Yeah. And I guess, you know, you have to throw Jason Cochrane in there as well. Um, you know,
1: pound for pound, he's, he's nowhere near the golfer Bubba is. So a lot yeah. of it comes back to where you think, you know, it, only history is only worth so much. And from this day forward, Cameron Champ's going to win more golf tournaments than Bubba Watson, right? We all know that. Um, it's a question of where you where you put them. And, and we've seen it with Phil. Um you know, he, he's he been some monstrously big prices, despite playing really well on a couple of occasions this year. He's gone off 125 to one. I, I, by the way, I think he's about five under through six on the Champions Tour yeah, yeah, so as, to as, as we that, speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I, it, it's what you think they've got left in their careers. And with Bubba, it is difficult. Do I think he's finished winning? Probably not um it's most likely that he just goes and wins again at riviera or you know maybe phoenix or somewhere like that um next year but i think he's got more in him and the the, another thing that i i you know part of it's what you see what you're exposed to but i saw his interview last week on the thursday he was in tears actually or holding them back um talking about the mental side of the game the challenges he's faced uh, and the stuff he doesn't talk about he's obviously a, a fairly fragile character i think he's probably one of those guys that Idiots like me like to criticize from time to time. But he's actually fundamentally, at his core, a decent human being. And that's all getting off from the the point about his golf. But um, the interesting thing for me is two twofold. One, two weeks ago, he asked Claude Harmon to take a look at his swing. Um, this is someone who's never had a coach and prides himself on it. That, I, I mean, either it tells you he thinks something's wrong or it tells you he's really determined to maximize things. Claude Absolutely. actually came back to him and said, there's nothing wrong, mate you're swinging it great you you just go ahead and do your thing you just get your head in the game sort of thing so what's he done since he's gone and got a breathing coach on board and these are things that if he's you know when he started experimenting with those silly golf balls you think he's probably the ghost the game is up here um for Bubba, but i they they suggest he's rededicated and going back to augusta You know, what what better uh, source of inspiration for him or or reason to sharpen his focus than getting to go to Augusta twice in the next six months and, and put the green jacket on again and 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 have two champions dinners and, and play the par three and all that sort of stuff. He'll be buzzing for that sort of thing. He knows he's been given a lifeline for the Ryder Cup as well because he would not have made the side this year, but he's now got until next year. And um, we all know that's for him, that's probably more important than winning another major. So loads of little things that you think Bubba's going to have one last push in him and I know self praise is no praise, but if, if there's anything I tend to get right, hopefully, it is those motivational factors with players who others are prepared to write off. Graham McDowell would be a great example last year. What better advert for motivating factors than someone desperate to play back at Port Rush? Uh, in the open and he went and did it and and these guys are the reason they're major champions is because they are if they've got a goal like that they can achieve it so um yeah Bubba Watson not a player to write off it whether it's this week or or further down the line I, I think he'll be winning again dare I say before the next Ryder Cup
0: yeah I mean I've watched a couple I think Bubba Watson's been uh, on Ferretti's show twice and he also did uh, a podcast uh, a little while ago um with with the foreplay podcast and he and he spoke about his you know he, he has anxiety he's, he doesn't hide from it anymore um you know he gets very very agitated around people with crowds you know when he hit that wonderful shot at the masters in the playoff someone slapped him on the back and he got really frustrated and angry about it um and he said that, you know he, he's actually trying to find ways to figure that out and i spoke to to ted scott and i said to so, you know how how motivated is Bubba Watson at this stage of his career? You know, what do you expect to see him? From what he said, he absolutely loves playing golf. Um, you know, he's he's such a competitor. He you know won loads before he even turned up and, and became the player that he is. Um, you know, in the amateur game and and on the mini tours and things like that. And it's just he's such a he naturally loves it. He's a, he's a big family man, but he's 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 just so self conscious of himself. And I think that when people are so critical of him, it looks like he just brushes it off and he's a bit arrogant and doesn't care. But I think he does. He just doesn't know how to react to it. Um, and I think now he's, you know, now he's open about that people to maybe take a bit more of a shine to him and give him a bit of a, lit him off the hook a little bit. That might lead to more, you know, better performances.
1: Yeah. There's probably lesson in that for, for all of us, isn't there? Certainly more so me than you, Tom. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> it, it, we all, we all rush. The reason we're on Twitter is to, to be heard, isn't it? And, um, and to, to ingratiate ourselves in the in the world uh, of golf at the, the highest level when really we're on the periphery, I suppose, um, if that. <laughs> and, it, yeah, you just, you know, everyone's different. And um, being in the spotlight in the way he has and, and going through the things he's been through, it's 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 not as easy as we all think it should be. And I have a bit of a worn-out line about them being robots. But it's it's so true. And I, I certainly, whether you're a big Bubba fan or not, and I'm not a massive fan of, like, I don't get as big a buzz at watching him hit the ball as other people do. I understand why they do, but it just doesn't yeah. necessarily do it for me. Um, and I, th- I think probably I was on the runner-up in both the times he won the Masters, which didn't <laughs> help. Um, but, but I, you know, I'm glad we have him in the game and he he's certainly a one-off and if he's only got a few more years left at this level he, he's a player to, to try and enjoy as much as you can and and certainly you can you can go higher up in my estimations if he does manage to play well this week
0: I, yeah i completely agree it's one of those things i don't really buy into i think back in the day when he was the first ever pink driver in it and he took all these lines that no one else took and um you know it was fascinating but now i just see him as a what he is he's a really good golfer um he obviously performs well at limited places um but when he does get there, he, and, and that's what you, you know, you're guessing a little bit whether this does suit him. But if it does, you know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get a very good run. Um, and if he's got a breathing coach, and if he's got getting the help he needs, and, and he's sourcing that, then then he's obviously in a good mindset, and he's he's willing to take people in. I think is a is a massive thing, isn't it? Um, I won't keep you too much longer because it's getting later in the day. Robbie Shelton um, is a player that you put up Now he's a player that I kind of kept an eye on. For the last few weeks really because he is capable of shooting really low rounds and i'm guessing that it was his final round at the northern trust that kind of gave you the confidence to, to take him here this week at the 63 yeah i mean look he's he's 250 to one
1: i if he was 150 i i wouldn't have done um there's a couple of factors really um if you go back to the spring he played really well in the honda um one of the toughest events of the year it wasn't quite as tough as the Arnold Palmer the week after but even now he, he survived that test well enough made the cut and played okay um, you know, on balance, I think when he does make his breakthrough, it's probably going to be like he'd be a great option right now for the Sanderson Farms. With that, this week, like down in the south on Bermuda yeah. Green, I think they're Bermuda at the Sandersons, they might be bent, but I think they're Bermuda. Um, but you you get the point, like he, he'd be more comfortable playing in the south and where it's a bit more humid and all the conditions he's grown used to. Um, and, and indeed, I think he won twice in Nashville or in Tennessee, a uh, wider Tennessee uh, last year on the on the Corn Ferry Tour. All that being said, you know, he. he Finish. He was six under par the last six on Sunday. Um, and it's very similar to what he did in the 3M Open. He, he came with a wet sail there and, and finished third with a closing 64. It, but they're not the only flashes. Like, he, he did start with around a round of 66 in the Northern Trust. He missed the cut shooting seventy sixty nine at the Wyndham. You know, it was fine. He played okay in the Barracuda. But there have been plenty of those small flashes. And and the main thing for me, I mean, I, I, I think he's got loads of ability. Um more so than pretty much any player at the price he's on offer this week. Um, he's got the good approach play figures that I like. I mean, if I had to pick one category any week to base anything on, it would be approach. And he was 11th last week, 9th in the 3M Open. Um, and finally, the course form. Um, he, he was a medalist here in the um, in the Illinois Collegiate event. Uh he was one of the favourites when they played the US amateur here, and I think he got knocked out. I can't remember who he got knocked out by, but he, he lost in the second round two and one or something like that. He may have even lost to DeShombo, which I should have checked, but um whatever the case, he played in the US Amateur. He played in the junior Ryder cup here as well in 2012 and was pretty much the best player on the US side. These are not worthwhile form guides, but they are he's played loads and loads of rounds of golf at this course. Um and given that he's entitled to arrive here thinking I've, how lucky am I? I've just birdied the well. I played the last six holes in six under, and now I've got a, a, another another tournament to play. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think he tee off on Thursday with a fantastic frame of mind and and a bit of course knowledge to go with it. So two hundred and fifty to one, we're chasing the place really, but I'll I'll roll the dice to very small stakes.
0: He uh, interesting enough, he actually knocked out Jordan Spieth at the, at the US Amateur, and you know I think the. The lines between a good Corn Ferry Tour player now and a PGA Tour player is getting narrower and narrower. I think there was always this kind of, can they make the step up in class? And I think now it's kind of, um, I think they're coming out better, younger and more prepared now. And it's almost a case of a feeder tour and, and that's it. And I know they've set up the PGA Tour University now where you can get some starts on the Corn Ferry to build your career that way. If you stay in college for longer so you don't have this awkward uh, period where you sort of transition from college to professional and things like that that's going to kind of make things easier I think but you know he just seems he was you know second behind Lanto Griffin last year uh, otherwise he did it on three times you know he lost in a the playoff there so he's clearly a quality player he's then finished third in the 3M Open you know earlier you know he finished third in 2015 on the PGA Tour so he's he's you know a player with tons of ability um, and a bit like Colin Morikawa, I think, that we mentioned on the PGA preview that he, he'd he had a look at Harding Park more so than anybody else in the field. He'd seen it when it was remodelled. And, you know, Robbie Shelton has that you know knowledge and he hasn't got to come here guessing anything. Um, he's certainly going to be a better, more prepared player than he was back when he was an amateur. Um, he He's freewheeling, isn't he? No one expects anything of him this season. He probably didn't expect as much as he's got this season. Uh, he's found form at the right time. And you don't need to find too many positives at such a big price in a limited field. No, exactly that. And the other thing, like he,
1: he's he got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think when when you're reading all the quotes from college coaches and stuff, he was one of those names who they come out. And it's probably a bit like Kisner, actually. You go back far enough. Um, I think it's Chris Hack, the Georgia coach. He always used to say, oh, Kisner's absolutely nails. I know if I need to send someone out to get us a point or whatever the scoring system might be, like Kisner is, you know, he, he, he just does not go down without a fight. And they always said it about um, Shelton. He came out and nearly won on the PGA Tour as an amateur. Um, and then things, you know, he had to go a different route because it's not necessarily easy. So you just, um, you know, earn your card in in five starts like Doc Redman and, and, and Morikawa and, and all that lot managed to do. Um, so he went to the Canadian Tour. He won there pretty much straight away. He went to the Corn Ferry Tour. He's won twice there. He's played about 100 events, less than 100 events as a prize. He's won three of them. And I think we're increasingly seeing at all levels... Um, that winning is is a really good like uh, mark them up if they win and I think two of his wins were by a shot another was he beat Scheffler in a playoff so he, he's got he's got bottle as well which you know doesn't hurt that if he goes out on Sunday in the second to last group or even the last group if we get the dream scenario um, I think those experiences do make him more likely than you know certain other players to to survive the test but I've, I'm not making any bold predictions as to him winning this tournament is very unlikely, but it's a, you know, 50 to one for the top seven. I, I thought the way he played over the weekend in Boston was, was very fair. And, and as you say, the, the Morikawa thing is a good, good example that I didn't sign my preview. Actually, it's a, it's a good point you make. Like it, it probably just meant that he could not have to spend so much time preparing. And it's been a busy old summer. All of them have played a lot of golf. And if you can go to the course and rock up a bit later than others and you know rory's not going until tuesday he's gone home to florida and when he gets there on tuesday he's got to learn the course because he's never played it never um shelton can go home if he wants i don't know if he is i doubt it but um and he can rock up on wednesday if he wants because he knows it so it's a small advantage but i wouldn't overlook it as a potentially significant one
0: and I think also significantly is the fact that you finished 13th in that event last week. You know, if this 13 came from the Wyndham uh, and then he missed the cut last week, he obviously wouldn't even have been here anyway. But, you know, it, it's such a mentality switch of, OK, I actually belong in these playoffs. If you can if you can finish well in the first first leg of it. Um, and like you say, he's, he's an excellent player. He's 24 years of age. You know, everything's ahead of him. Um, 148th in the world. Um, he certainly sees himself in a better player than that, probably like you say, a Kisnam older, he's going to be top thirty, top forty player very quickly. Um why not do it and, and make a splash? You know, he's he's probably fed up of seeing the likes of Morikawa Champ and and Wolf being talked about and, and people never talking about his name, you know. He's he's won twice last year, albeit on the corn ferry. Um he's so he's taken advantage of his starts, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, he he lacks the consistency they've shown. And it's just like I say, it's it's, it's not straightforward, is it? They're all if you're talking like raw ability, there's probably very little between all of these guys. He's not that far behind Scheffler, who in turn is not that far behind Morikawa. Um, and it doesn't always work out that the best amateurs are the best professionals and things like that. You know, I mean, even already, you know, I think most people would have said Wolf would be the best of the three. And he's probably he's certainly the least consistent of, of him, Hovland and Morikawa. Um, and they've all got their different strengths and different rates of progression, different support networks, different preferences in terms of the courses they play and all those sort of things so i and he's one as well shelton who um you kind of think he's probably 28 29 because he did come out so so young and uh, i think it was a barber he finished third or fourth yeah um back in his home state and he, he did that so young that it actually you know you forget he's he's, he's younger than most of the guys up there so <laughs> uh, he's got bags of potential and current ability and i, I would say you know, even if it doesn't work out this week, he'd be one of the names I would take forward into next year. And, I, you know, no, I don't think anybody should be surprised if he is um, contending and going very close in a, in a low-key event in Bermuda or Sanderson Farms. I, I don't know what the schedule is exactly um, for the rest of the year, but keep him, keep him close because um, I think he will be close to winning in the next year or so, yeah.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Let's uh, let's summarise our picks here. I think at the Belfry, we were we were both kind of uh, non-committal in terms of picks. Um, you know, you, you've still got your your preview to write on that, and you know, I find it hard to get a grasp of the event. I was kind of interested in Ross Fisher and Robert Rock, just because I think they're they're players that stand out as is experienced and and will know the course. Um, Jason is a big fan of Jack Senior, Aaron Wright, Toby Tree, and David Law. Uh, the latter two for first round leaders as well, because they're a bit more volatile their scoring. Is there any, if you had to give one player, would there be one player that stands out for you? Um, I can't promise I'll actually put him up, because I'll
1: probably convince myself he can't possibly win, but Craig Howey would be the the one I think is, is a little bit interesting at a very big price. Um, so yeah, he, he might well make the staking plan, but at this stage I'm I'm not committing to anything, because there's a, a lot of balls still in the air with that one.
0: <laughs> uh, and let's just summarise your picks on the, the BMW Championship as well
1: yeah um i must admit i'm limping towards the line in the pga tour season i'll, I'll be quite glad when we're back to rubbish <laughs> tournaments with no good players in them but um nevertheless we we go again as they say um i i really 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 like xander shoffley else i wouldn't have put him up obviously um i i think he the, of all the players at the top of the market he's playing the most consistently good golf not as explosive as dj you know two wins but a couple of rounds of eights as well obviously not quite as as lucrative as that but he's playing consistently well and i think he's very very close to opening the door and when he does it will be a tough course if he doesn't win this week he might win next week um and if not that then he might win the us open um victor hovland if we can avoid um tight lies um, and 20 odd chip <laughs> shots i you know his iron play will take him a long way at this course he's got course experience same for shelton albeit a the other end of the scale and then you've got Bubba, crack and one we haven't mentioned if I may just briefly yeah. um Cameron Smith um oh, yes now all of my selections otherwise uh, well Shel- Shelton's not a massive hitter but he gets it out far enough um you know Smith is the one who doesn't really fit the 7,400 yard par 70 thing because he doesn't hit it very far um but he gets by on a brilliant wedge game and, and he's dynamite on the greens and around the greens. But last week, he, he was third in approaches. It, he, it was his best ball striking um, almost in his career. I think it's about level with the 2017 Wyndham and slightly worse than the 2016 John Deere. So it's, it's fleeting that these things come and, and that will tell you that we, we shouldn't expect him to do it again but if he has found a little something in his long game he just needs it to be solid and the rest of his game is is genuinely like top five in the world around and on the greens so um i i i thought 150 to one was 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 too big really he's a winner this year in the sony open that was one in 11 under on a par 70 more because of the weather than the you know the actual course um but just the two little extra bits i guess curtis luck winning on sunday on the corn Ferry tour now he's three or four years younger they they may may not even know each other but aussies so often winning bunches um so i thought that was worth something and the other thing is you know cameron smith came onto the radar really the public radar with a top five at the us open and a top five at the masters um he's got two top threes in the playoffs so he, he's a big time player um for all that he's not a big time character so um you know we saw it at the president's cup last year as well tougher the better for him and at 150 to one um after a top 20 last week you know I, I thought i was fairly straightforward
0: yeah no i completely get that and uh yeah i I kind of found it difficult to kind of separate the ones at the top. I wasn't so bullish on Xander Scheffler as you were, but I do completely understand the point. Um, I think Daniel Berg will obviously go well again. It's just whether uh, you know he needs a slightly shorter goal. Of course, Scotty Scheffler is obviously makes obvious appeal, but maybe 35 to one wasn't generous enough for me. Um, Alex Norum was was one of the ones that stood out at 70 to one, and and Jason Kokrak, like you've mentioned. Um, the ones I wanted to go to there there, were, there was one name that I didn't really go to uh, during the show uh, was Paul Casey now, Paul Casey who drove the ball brilliantly last week um, and you know, he was third in total driving fifth in distance, 21st in accuracy I just, he didn't strike the ball well enough in his approaches and, and that's kind of been him since the PGA um, but he plays these past 70s well he he can get a you know, run going and and maybe you'll just have extra motivation in the FedEx Cup playoffs.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think if we are saying that Harding Park might be the best recent guide, then, you know, Casey, who was so good there, um, deserves a bit of respect on, on, on those grounds. And, you know, he kind of ties in with Coker actually, look at his best form Riviera, um, copperhead for the Valspar tough courses where, where he got to drive the ball. Well, um, I could very well see him driving the ball really well again. and, and, I guess a bit like you were saying with Noron, like the approach is thing you can take either way. Like there's, there's there's scope for him to be a lot better. Um, so, you know, we know how good a ball striker he is. So yeah, I could certainly see Casey. I think if, if I had an overriding message or an overarching message for the BMW championship, it's that although the dynamics are a little bit confused this year by the, the, the potentially really hard course, like it could be really hard. It wouldn't shock me if three under one, I, I don't think it will, but it wouldn't shock me. Um, you know, that that does make for a big shift in dynamic. But either way, whatever the course, and they move this around every year, it's always won by someone who's played well the week before. Um, and that actually takes out a lot of players. And it brings in those outsiders that I've focused on in Cameron Smith and Jason Kokrak and Robbie Shelton and Bubba Watson and, and Noren for you. Um, I guess it would probably just about eliminate Casey. But as I said, it might just be the Harding Park's the best uh, form guide we've got.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think just the last point to mention is that there is only four players in the field this week that played uh, the 2003 US Open. Tiger Woods finished tied 20th. Charles third, tied 53rd. And then Casey and Scott missed the cut. So I wouldn't worry about going back to the course form too much. Um, it, It won't matter um it's probably more relevant to look at the u.s amateur that we've spoken about um for the young guns and, and I think thing is like you say it's more the dynamics and and it's been it's, it's not been straightforward has it i suppose in terms of picking a winner but that the class has generally showed through since the restart and uh we, we don't need to look too far down the field although there are a few speculative punts i think
1: yeah i mean i think it's it's highly likely the winner comes from the top i'd And I actually thought on Sunday when I was sort of, as you're watching the current event, you know, looking forward to the next night, I sat there and thought, wow, for all that this event has had some, you know, there's been some surprising contenders, maybe in some respects, like Cameron Davis being right in there at halfway and stuff like that. You look at the end result and it's Dustin Johnson wins, you know, Harris English second, who's just playing like a top 20 player in the world. Um, Scotty Scheffler's up there, Webb Simpson, backdoor top six, whatever it was, John Rahm, Daniel Berger. It's like, okay, so it's all the same guys at the end of the day. And it may be that something similar transpires. I think that tells us that the guys like Simpson and Rahm, they can be not quite at it and it just takes one round where they are and it's good enough to get in the top five. And, And as I said to you earlier, that this is not the strongest BMW championship field. So I think ultimately um, we'll probably end up with a fairly predictable top seven, eight. Now that kind of jars with what I've my selections, I guess. But um, there's always room, isn't there? <laughs> there's always room yeah. in, in there for, for one or two of them. And the playoffs have thrown up some a lot of big price seconds, thirds, fourth, and fifths. I'm sure someone will mus- muscle their way in, way in at some stage. But um, I guess I've defaulted a little bit in going for the rock solid one at the top in Shoffley. And I, I, I will admit I, I have struggled to get the best players right on the right week like sometimes it's been easy dj um jt when he should have won and, and kepko when he should have won but other times it's like you know I, I didn't quite see that coming and and i'm sure others have seen it a lot clearer others will have seen that final round from ram final round from ram um in the first go at muirfield and and, and seen that as a clear sign that he's about to win and and same with dj last week as, as jason obviously did so um Good luck to you if that's the case. I I make no bones about it. I I prefer to be in a slightly lower grade, but um, I'm I'm nevertheless confident that Shuffley will play well and and very hopeful with the rest.
0: Yeah, excellent. Right, Ben, thank you for joining us. Just just to mention that you will uh, be joining us, me and Jason, for the US Open in a couple of weeks' time. Um, So we've got that to look forward to. And, uh, And then obviously the Tour Championship next week, which you'll obviously be writing about as well.
1: Yes, I can't wait uh, to, to remind myself how silly it all is and try and work out. I, I, I've got some theory. I mean, I might not to, you know, I'm not going to be on next week, so you give me 10 seconds. But yeah. I, th- I think it, it might just be worth, uh, although it didn't work last year because Rory just played great, it might just be worth looking at those guys. There'll be some really good golfers this year because of the way things have panned out. Uh, at Like 28th in the FedEx Cup, no real chance to win. And if you can get those at a good price to have the best 72 hole score, I you know, away from the. The, the limelight and stuff I, I think that's an angle to continue to pursue so that'll probably probably be what i do but um whoever you come to tom good luck and i will look forward to listening to you and jason when he's back from his holidays
0: yes thank you very much look, i think anyone that's listening to this is probably aware of where to find you but it's uh sportinglife.com for for ben there and uh, certainly he writes an awful lot on his columns. a lot of effort goes into that so please do check him out i'm sure you do now if you listen to this anyway but uh yeah, it's always worth giving the plug, isn't it? Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem at all. See you then.